You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Welcome back to Force Perspectives for The Mandalorian, Chapter 24, The Return, the season finale of Chapter 3. Uh, I am, of course, your host, Michael Cohen, and joining me for the season finale, one of my absolute favorite people to talk to, really about anything, but most especially about Star Wars, and that is Danielle. Uh, Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I, I, one of the things that I love about having you on the podcast is that like, you don't have anything to promote. You don't have like anything like, like we always talk about your, your fan fiction and stuff like that, but like, you don't have like another show or, you know, like Joe is constantly like, Oh, I've got these art prints that I worked really hard on and they're really, really good. And you guys should all buy them and stuff. But it's like, I don't, I don't have to, there's no pressure on me of like, Oh, I gotta make sure that, (laughs) that I'm, that I'm, you know, uh, uh, giving you the right, the right avenue to, to promo your stuff. You're just here to talk to me about Star Wars. That's, that's, that's all this is, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm boring. And this is my uh, social <laughs> interaction quota. <laughs> that's excellent. Um, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I put out the message of like, oh boy, I need somebody uh, this was last week because I had I, I had the guest last week I had to cancel on me at the last minute and uh, and so I, I tweeted out oh hey I need I need somebody and uh, and you were that you were the second person to respond and I was like well I need somebody next week too so <laughs> for the finale <laughs> and so it worked out really well that uh, that that you're that you're here for the finale of season three of the Mandalorian let's yeah. um before we jump into the return the final chapter for this season. I, I want to get, we haven't actually, you and I haven't really talked a lot about the Mandalorian I, this season. Um, I have been yeah. absolutely loving it, but how have you been feeling about it this season? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, um, if we look at it, season one, season two, and season three, by far, season three is my favorite of Mando. Um, it was saying a lot of things that I liked. It was teasing mm. a lot of thoughts that otherwise... Um, the show hasn't really provoked me to think about. Um, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I I came into season three with being like, eh, okay, fine, I'll watch it. And, you know, it, it didn't tickle every fancy I had, but it, it was much better um, than I was expecting, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that there was a bit of a... Um, a little bit of trepidation going into season three from a lot yeah. of people because of book of Boba Fett, because book of Boba Fett was so wildly uneven. Um, mm. I mean, like, I think that that, I think that was Robert Rodriguez. I like, here's the thing. I love book of Boba Fett. I, I like, like, like all of it, like, 
the whole thing. I think that it's great. I think it made a lot of mistakes, but I still love it. <laughs> it's like right. my kids. I, <laughs> but I, um, but Robert Rodriguez, like if we look at his oeuvre, hmm. it's consistent. It's consistent with all of that. His stuff is wildly uneven. Now, uh-huh. what that means when I say wildly uneven is that like there are some high highs, there are some low lows, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Spy Kids movies are, I think, pretty good for what yeah. they are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yes. it's it, 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 you, like if you set aside, this is a kids' film aimed at children, specifically yeah. doing silly, wacky things. It's not that bad. I I personally like the second Spy Kids myself. <laughs> yeah, like like I I I I look at that stuff and I go like, you know, you set out to do a thing and you did the thing and could it have been better? Absolutely, but you did it and it's pretty cool. Um mm. and and it's this it's this, I mean like I I was a little bit old for the Spy Kids movies and I think so they don't they don't hit as hard for me as 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 I know they do for like the the sort of like half step generation that came after us yeah but uh, yeah i mean it was definitely my brother my brother is eight years younger than me and it was mm-hmm. like you know i i was still kiddish enough to be like yeah okay i can watch this but i mean it was aimed more for him but yeah yeah yeah, yeah we're exceptions to, to that rule right of like well <laughs> i i i like childish things yeah. <laughs> much more much more than i should so i you know I, I don't know if that's actually true i i think maybe everybody could stand to like childish things a little bit more but um but yeah it, yeah <laughs> yeah well, i i but yeah I, th- I think like the majority of people like dismiss stuff like that but um but yeah book of boba fett was just so all over the place and so I think coming into to Mando season three and Mando season two had some had some serious issues. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, because with season one, you know, nobody yeah. really knew what to expect for the most part. And, mm-hmm. and I came away with like, OK, you know, this is interesting. I'm interested to see where it goes. And then season two ran and I really did not find it interesting to be honest Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but um you know and then i sat through book of boba fett and like the past scenes i really enjoyed and then like the modern day parts um you know were a little disappointing and so coming off of season two of mando and then coming off of book of boba fett um just in general uh was kind of like uh you know i'll i'll hear season three out mostly because you know, Anakin, my youngest son, he's getting ready to turn four in oh, about two weeks now. Um, you know, he's a big Grogu and, and Dinda Djarin fan. So I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and watch it. And, you know, I, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, Andor kind of restored my Star Wars interest. And, mm-hmm. you know, season three of Mando definitely wasn't as strong as Andor by any means, but you know, it, it, it kept me interested. It kept me coming. Yeah. Back, so, yeah, it, it, I, I, so a shift happened for me with book of Boba Fett, where I started to realize that these shows, and this was like prior to Obi-Wan prior to, I uh, uh, and, or mm. going like these shows have a certain tone 
Um, and that tone, I think, is something that people don't expect from Star Wars. Um, and and there's this very like it. It's really interesting how people are so willing to limit Star Wars on when it wants to be lighter or campier, but mm-hmm. not when it wants to be darker, grittier, more mature. Right. Right. Um, like like if it if if Star Wars wants to do Andor everybody is fine with that, right? If Star Wars wants to do Rogue One, everybody is fine with that. Nobody bats an eye. As a matter of fact, people are over the moon because they want to see uh, murder in space. <laughs> I, I, But when Star Wars says, uh, we want to be solo a Star Wars story, people go, oh, I don't know. Is this really like the tone of Star Wars? And it's like, I don't know. It's the most Star Wars thing I think they've done in the disney era other than rebels like i i like like it it to me um like that campy stuff is star wars and yeah. mando even in its first season i think that people have sort of forgotten they were like like it's it's not been that long and at the same time it's been a very long few years i and people have like already rose tinted glasses for season one Mando, but Mm -hmm. season one Mando is pretty arch in places. Like it gets pretty silly. It gets pretty, uh, it it gets, it gets pretty camp uh, in a few places. Now, not as crazy as season three did season three really, really pushed it. But um, season two being I, I, the introduction of every side character imaginable so that they could spin them all off into their own shows. Really? I think, yeah, it really, it really kind of, um, it unbalanced that season, right? Like, yeah. so, so it sort of had a very, very it had a very heavy speed wobble of their, like they, 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 they pushed it too fast, too, too quick. Um, and and ended up with a with a speed wobble. People don't know what a speed wobble is. It's most commonly on a motorcycle. You get going too fast, and you and if you get even just like the slightest misstep, right, like the slightest wiggle in your wheel, I uh, you can really really quickly lose control of the motorcycle. Like it 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 you start a speed wobble and it just like goes, right. Mm-hmm. The faster you're going, the the smaller the mistake needs to be in order to 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 put you into a into a a bad spot and so i think that was kind of what season two did and Mm -hmm. and and then season three came back and was like uh we're focused back on our own story everybody else has has spun off right but the funny thing that happened is that they went okay we're gonna get back to doing our story our story is about this little frog kid and his uh uh metal dad uh and uh um and they're gonna they're gonna go to weird places in the galaxy on their adventures like that's what the show is that's what it was in season one Mm -hmm. that's really what it was in season two as well right it was but but it was like and they're gonna meet all a weird way about it yeah (laughs) yeah so season three goes to do that and there's this thing of people being like, "Ugh, season two, ugh, 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 cameos, guest stars, ugh, ugh. And then season three comes along and goes, um, we're not going to do that. And everybody is like, wait, what? <laughs> but where's, where's Ahsoka? And where's Cobb Vanth? And where's Luke Skywalker? And where's Boba Fett? And it's like, it's just, there's no winning with some people. 
mm-hmm. is what I found. I it, like, there's just no point. And then, and then like that, uh, that camp factor, it's like, I sit down for this show to watch Batman 1966 in space. That's what I'm doing <laughs> when I sit down to watch this. Like a man of refined taste. Yeah. Or, or like Star Trek, the original series, right? Like, oh, like, yeah. I will like because I will die on the hill that Star Trek the original series is the best written Star Trek that we've ever gotten. The execution lacks a little bit because the technology isn't there and the and the the performances are of a time and right. I, I and 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 some of the writing is in the context of a time, right? But mm. like there are episodes in Star Trek, the original series that are some of the best written episodes of television ever and will, and will very likely never be surpassed. Is it the best Star Trek? I don't know about that. Right. Like I would say like TNG is, is better in places. Deep space nine is better in places. I hear that Voyager is good, but I hate it. So uh, I'll never be able to confirm that. Um, (laughs) We don't, we don't talk about enterprise. But Discovery has cool stuff, but Strange New Worlds, I think, is the best Star Trek series. I, I, it's, it's so good. I haven't watched any of. I've only watched a couple episodes of Picard, but, um, so I can't really speak to that one. It didn't catch mm. me, but, but I hear good uh, things. I hear good things. So. Yeah, it's. I hear that it's like kind of. It's. It found itself uh, later on, but. Well, um, well, hey, I'll tell you what. Side note: little bit of my yeah, yeah. history. When I was in college, I took a. Um, philosophy and star trek course and i will have you know that so it was tuesdays and thursdays and on tuesdays we would um watch an episode of star trek that was based off of whatever philosophical thing we were discussing and then on thursday we would actually get down into the what does this actually mean and then over the weekend we would have to write a paper about it and most of those episodes were from the original mm-hmm. series. Okay, some of them were, you know, next gen, but most of them yeah. were the original. So there's your fun tidbit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's because <laughs> it's just it's so it's so rich with that stuff, right? But yeah. But I but I look at I look at Mando as having the same sort of tongue in cheek tone as as Batman sixty six and Star Trek the original series, mm-hmm. um, and and other stuff of that era. They. Right. Is like, hey, hey guys, this is a TV show, mm-hmm. right? Like, like we're aware, we're aware. And as a matter of fact, I think it's the thing that Strange New Worlds does the best is that is that it it absolutely winks at the camera every episode and goes <laughs> like, the guys, this is a TV show. Like, don't worry, don't worry so much about it. Is mm-hmm. a TV show, right? Whereas a lot of TV nowadays is like, um. Uh, these all of these people with white hair uh, uh, and alabaster skin uh, who who are really obsessed with dragons like 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 not like the idea of dragons like literal dragons mm-hmm. they're real people and they make real decisions and those real decisions are things like you slighted me and therefore I'm going to poison you and chop off your head like the way that we take that, I'm talking about House of the Dragon, which I haven't right, watched any right. of. But I like, figured, yeah. This is just, these are just context things that I've gotten from Twitter. Um, we take that and we go like, I I wish that these other things could be real, like House of the Dragon. You mean the show where they're like, hey, these are, these are my pet dragons? That show. That's the show that you're talking about? Where do you keep your dragons? Well, in my in my large 
island castle. Okay. Okay. Um, how is everybody so clean if you're all living in a castle? Like, like, if, like, you know, like, like, it's just, there's nothing real about game game of Thrones. There's nothing real about the first season, the first game of Thrones series. There's nothing real about the new one. There's nothing real about the last of us. Right. The, the real things in those shows are like the human connection stuff, but the settings are all ridiculous and absurd. What Mando does that's different is that Mando like Batman 66 and, and Star Trek, it, it, it acknowledges in, in itself that it is in like, Hey, Hey, we're in an absurd setting. You guys we're mm-hmm. in an absurd setting, but what's the most important thing here? story and character always right. story and character and this season to me was just like on point story and character so like when jack black and lizzo show up is it a quote-unquote distraction no more than the little green frog puppet boy you guys <laughs> like how is how is jack black saying you know, like take a sippy sip of your secretions more distracting <laughs> than Kermit inside a Gundam. Right. Sure. Like, cause that, cause that is also like hitting a yes, no button, like in bluey, like, <laughs> like, like put these things in perspective. You guys, our lead character is a circle, like a, a with a flat bottom on it and a T for a face. Mm-hmm. That's our lead character on this TV show. Yeah. And and he's mostly playing off of other flat bottom circle T faces, right? <laughs> like right. like like that's the world that we're living in already and then people uh, like will get all like up in arms about like how how that this isn't logical, that isn't logical and it's like I get it. You're not wrong. I don't think that people are wrong. I just yeah. think that they're like it's the it's the 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 quote from Harrison Ford that that's been coming up a lot recently where Mark Hamill is like shouldn't my hair still be wet we were just in the trash compactor and I know we've been running around but like it hasn't actually been that long and Harrison turns to him and goes Mark Hamill always tells this story and then Harrison turns to him and goes look kid if people are worried about your hair we're in big trouble. It's not that kind of movie. And right. And I go like, that's like, 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 this is the thing. Everybody should know by now. Harrison's grumpy demeanor is a put on, like, that's not actually him. He loves star Wars. He's just mm. wants people to leave him alone. Um, I get it. I get it. But well, uh, well, so like, like, like he gets it. Right. And so we should yeah. all get it. too. Well, I mean, I mean, it's so like, okay. So today's, <sighs> season final episode yeah um you know overall i enjoyed it but the thing was is um you know so there's been certain parts throughout the series where you know they put their helmet on and there's the hissing air you know air pressurized sound effect tacked on to it and uh, there was not actually much of that going on in this episode despite a lot of people very uh quickly putting their helmets on another thing (laughs) that jumped out at me was um Okay, they're getting. I, I, I get the Baskar or Baskar is supposed to, you know, deflect the bullets and that sort of thing. But they're being shot at in the torso area and in the arm joint area where there is no Baskar, yet they're still karate kicking everyone. And 
they've just been flamethrowed, but their cape is not catching on fire, and that's not made out mm-hmm. of Beskar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, oh, well, now Axe Wolves is flying into space, but his suit's not pressurized, so how is his body not um, decompressing and his veins are not freezing? So, you know, if you if you wanted to get technical about it, you know, those are all things that are jumping out to me, and I'm like, that makes no sense, and that makes no sense, and that makes no sense. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? This very heavy-looking droid flying through a cave mouth on these two tiny little rockets that clearly do not have enough propulsion to lift this droid. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to have to accept that that is, and that is the part of Star Wars. You know, does every single planet only have one biome? Yes, apparently, even though that's not very realistic. And, you know, it's it's just something you go in and you just have to accept. <laughs> And yeah. I had to make peace with that. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm trying to find a tweet from earlier, and 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 hopefully I'll be able to find it at some point while we're recording, so that I can give proper credit. But um, but I read this this morning, and it was basically along the lines of um, the finale was like I I emotionally satisfying, but logically inconsistent or something like that right and i mm. uh, and and i was like 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 you can't put it better than that like absolutely 100 percent. when when just starting at the beginning of the episode right it's like i i the the super troopers are i i these these new mando dark troopers are are carting mando off and he starts fighting back against them or whatever. And he's, and he's doing all right, but he's but they are going to get the upper, like the one's going to get the upper hand. And then Grogu mm-hmm. shows up just out of nowhere. Grogu shows up just deus ex machina. Yeah. Right. And my brain, as I'm sitting there at midnight, this is probably like five minutes in. So it's like 1205 and I'm sitting there and, and Grogu shows up and I literally caught myself because my brain goes, wait, how did Grogu know where, how did he catch, wait, what? And, and then, and then it, cause it's like, cause the, the IG arm comes in and, and everything <laughs> happens or whatever, yeah. but then it like cuts to Grogu's face. And the second that it cut to Grogu's face, I went, why do I care? <laughs> like, why do I, why do I care about that detail? Right? Like mm-hmm. what? So he, he found them. He found them. He's a Jedi. I don't know. He may, he the can force. sense where Din is uh, like, like, if if we need to, we can figure it out. Mm-hmm. But did we need to in this finale? And there's a lot of stuff in this finale where it's like, if we need to, we can figure this out. But do we need to? Right? right. And and the answer so often with Star Wars is, do we need to? And I know that that sometimes doesn't work for people. And um, uh, there's something that Marie Claire uh, says, which is that like, like basically like when the when you borrow the mythology and then and then like don't pay it off and it creates that dissonance like that's yeah. a it's a it's a problem and i agree like i 100% agree that stuff is the stuff where i think we can look at this critically and go did this nail this or that or whatever right mm-hmm. and and that's the sort of discussion that i'd like to have but the stuff of like exactly what you're saying of like 
So this little droid like comes rocketing down out of nowhere, which like we didn't establish that R5 came with them. Why is he on the surface of the planet? Like none yeah. of this was none of this was established last week, even though it easily could have been. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he could when when Din told him to go down to the hole <clears throat> and, and check for breathable air, which duh, it's Star Wars, everybody knows the air yeah. is breathable. Um, you know, like he fell down a hole. And now today I'm like, well, hold on. He could have used his little rocket pieces to like yeah. boost himself up. But, but like, it's re- like at the end of the day, it's like, you know, like the little rockets are neat. <laughs> the little rockets are neat. It's cool yeah. that R2 did it. It's cool that R5 does it. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Right. It also mm-hmm. like, like, listen, it makes as much sense as Iron Man because like, I'm sorry. Uh, he does what? He's oh, so he's got like, um, repulsor, repulsors. Well, what's a repulsor? Well, it's uh, is because he's got the arc reactor. Oh, because he has the arc reactor. So that's the science. The repulsors can do what the repulsors do because the arc reactor is powering them. Well, guys, the arc reactor is made up in nonsense. What's the arc reactor? Because if you look at the arc reactor, uh, it's an electromagnet. That's what it is, right? Construction-wise, when we look at it in the movie, it's an electromagnet. For some reason, it's an incredibly powerful electromagnet that generates electricity. It generates energy. And Iron Man's able to do the stuff that he can do. Why? Why can he do that? Because the story necessitates it, you guys. Because if he doesn't, then he's not Iron Man. And what are we doing here? Right? Like, that's right. that's why. The whole thing centers around made-up silly thing in Iron Man's chest. Right? Mm-hmm. And so then everything everything is built. It's, it's uh, uh, in... Uh, in legal terms, it's referred to as the fruit of the poisonous tree, right? So if, <laughs> if, if the, if the basis of, so it's like, if I, if I break a law because I've signed a contract that, and the contract is that actually has like, like clauses in it that are, that are illegal, right? So it's like, if I don't do this, you'll murder me. It's like, mm-hmm. I, you, I'm, I can't be bound to that contract. So it's like, it's like, well, I did it because the contract said that I had to murder this person because otherwise they would murder me. And it's like, well, that contract's null and void. You also can't like blame your actions on this, right? Like it's like, like we have to look, like you go down to the root of it or whatever. I've explained this really poorly, but, but basically it's like, you, you can like, you can go back to the source and go like, is it like, like is it flawed? Is it incorrect? Is it immoral or like stupid from the genesis of it? If so, then everything that comes after it, good intentioned or ill intentioned is also, it's also bad. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's the fruit of the poisonous tree. And this is like star Wars, the suspension of disbelief when we get into it is I outer space magic wizards laser swords like there's a lot of stuff here that like that i think i think because because of the sci-fi trappings people get caught up in the sci-fi of it they want it to be a star trek even though star trek is is fantasy as well um, yeah. i mean it's a utopian society consisting of human beings it's it's pure fantasy but oh, yeah. uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> as much as lord of the rings right but um <laughs> 
like Star Wars is very specifically space fantasy. It's not sci-fi, right? It's it's a it's it's a it's a space opera. Yeah. So like the suspension of disbelief should actually be higher. The threshold should be higher than what I think a lot of people go into it with. And Andor really really messed up that calibration, right? Like mm. it it it, because Andor is not a Star Wars show. I've been saying this all season. Andor is a really great Blade Runner TV show that just happens to take place in the Star Wars universe for some reason. Yes. But it's not a Star Wars show. It's it's actually missing a whole bunch of elements of Star Wars in order for me to fully consider it like successful Star Wars. I think it's fantastic and I love it. And I think that like it absolutely has its place in Star Wars. <clears throat> But it's as much Star Wars to me as like the um, do you remember when they did those like like Stormtrooper zombie novels back in like the early 2000s where it was oh, like, no, I don't remember those. Oh, they did. They did like three or four of these because zombies were because Walking Dead and it was also huge. So they were like, let's do some Stormtrooper stories zombies, about Stormtrooper zombies. <laughs> yeah, they're not they're not. I don't personally think that they're very good. I uh, yeah, and I. Uh, uh, and I also don't think that like that type of horror necessarily fits in Star Wars um, because zombie stories are, are to tell a certain type of story and Star Wars is to tell a certain type of story. And those are kind of polar opposites. And mm-hmm. Andor to me is like is much closer to those zombie things than it is to mainline Star Wars. And that's fine. Like it's like we can we we can actually have all of it. And it's OK, because like uh, I think I said this last week. Like we've also got, uh, you know, Young Jedi Adventures coming, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the polar opposite from Andor, and that's cool. Yeah. Mando is just like straight down the middle, and and that's where I want to be with Star Wars. Is I want, I want sippy sips of secretions. I want, <laughs> I want, I, I, you know, I, I ridiculous aliens. I want droid bars. I want, I. Well, and, I think being live-action, too, you know, in yeah. that regard is a bit of a, I suppose, a detriment because, especially in season three, we get a lot of um, prequel vibes and references mm-hmm. and nods. And, you know, if you look at the Clone Wars episodes, a, a lot of things are being done similarly um, as was being done in season three of Mando. And, yeah. you know, not many people question that format um, as it's being presented, like you said. And I guess because that's animation. So people yeah. kind of like put it on a lower rung shelf of like, oh, well, it's like that because it's animated. And then by some bizarre default, animation is more child related mentally um and so when you put it in a live action state people all go uh, oh go this is for adults and and then they get that um you know bit of clone wars flair and they're kind of like well this is silly <laughs> yeah but i i mean it it's still what it is it's it is Star Wars and you're going to get those episodes you know in Clone Wars that are very serious saying serious things only it's in cartoon format and then you're going to get moments of like 
droids being ridiculous and falling down or, you know, some cute fuzzy mm-hmm. animal doing something silly or pomp and circumstance like that. So it, it's the same thing. It's just in a different visual medium. And I think the hate for it comes in that fact that our standards and ideas of what it should be are different because of that. Yeah, absolutely. Which is unfair. I, I, I've, I've, I've seen a bunch of people also, this is sort of like, like a, a, it's like people are warming up to get mad at Ahsoka before it even starts. Um, mm. I've heard, I've seen a lot of people like that are, that have this sentiment of like, they're mad that this, that the Rebels sequel isn't animated, right? That Ahsoka right. is essentially the Rebels sequel and that it's not animated, it's live action. As if it's somehow like, like talking down to the animated stuff. And I, I, I personally don't see it that way. Like I, I'm very excited to see the interpretation of these characters in live action. I'm very mm-hmm. excited to see other actors play these characters um, yeah. and, and for that to expand what these characters mean and can be. Um, I, I, there are, there are aspects of it where I'm like, yeah, I mean, it, it would have been cool if so-and-so could have played their character. I really think that Vanessa Marshall should be playing Hera personally. Like, I think that, <laughs> I think that, that she has the right presence um, having having been in the same room with her, it's like like she is Hera. Hera is Vanessa Marshall, um, right. in a way that that like as much as I I love uh, Tia Sirkar as Sabine, I don't mm-hmm. feel as strongly about that character in that in that sense, right? So I'm interested to see what what um, I, I can never remember her name. I'll learn it by the time the series is on, but. <laughs> I, I, but this, but this actress that, that's playing Sabine, it's like, like, I'm interested to see what her take's going to be. I also, mm-hmm. I also quite like what Rosario Dawson is doing with the character of Ahsoka. Like, I, I think that there's room for that character to have that, that, that interpretation along with the interpretation that was, um, cemented by Ashley Eckstein, right? Right. Um, yeah. and, and originated with her. And it's like, in the same way, I don't know, I guess, I guess for like my perspective is very simple because I, I love Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, like anybody listening to this podcast should know anybody who knows me. It's like, he's my favorite character in all of media, right? right. Obi-Wan is like my everything. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I live in a world where that character is above and beyond the actors that have played him. Mm-hmm. And I love all of them. Well, I shouldn't say all of them. There have been a couple of odd choices, with, or not odd choices, but just like less than stellar performances with Obi-Wan over the years. But for the most part, I mean, like when we're talking about the big ones, right? Obviously, Alec Guinness, Ewan McGregor, James Arnold Taylor, Stephen Stanton. Mm-hmm. Like those those four actors having played that character um, in, in the most notable forms i like but they're all obi-wan right Right. and even within that like you've got two live action performers and you have two voice actors and would i have loved for james arnold taylor to have played obi-wan in star wars rebels sure and i think he would have done a great job i think he would have done just as good a job as steven stanton but the thing is is that steven stanton like 
comes in out of nowhere and nails the Alec Guinness Obi-Wan. Like, <laughs> yeah. nails the Alec Guinness Obi-Wan. And I don't mean that he does a good impersonation. I mean, like, the gravitas of Alec right. Guinness is yeah. felt in that performance in that episode. And that episode is so important, right? So for me, it's like, I look at it and I go like, like, it, like, it, it's all that matters at the end of the day is story and character. That's it. Like, that is it. And whatever medium we use to tell it, whatever actor is in the role, um, all I care about is that we do a good job. Right. Like, it's, it's, I always go back to Shakespeare and it's like, is seeing Hamlet somehow lesser because we're not watching the actor who first played Hamlet. Mm -hmm. Right. No, no. Is it lesser when you see Hamlet, even if it's like not the actor that you first saw play Hamlet, like just for your own reference? No. Right. Like, is it different from when you read it? Like it's the, the story and character is always there. You just want a performance that's going to do justice and you just want a like direction that's going to do justice. Right. To the story and that's going to get it across and help us feel something, learn something, you know, uh, experience it. Right. Right. So for me, I think that's what, that's what matters. Yeah. Well, I think too, people have to be understanding, you know, I don't, I don't know how much money goes into a live action, you know, eight episode show versus, Mm -hmm. you know, an animated one, but it is my assumption that the animated one is not only going to take a whole lot longer, but it's going to cost a whole lot more because of that fact. Whereas with a live action show, I mean, sure, there's a, a lot of cost to it, but I I would think it would be less because you can get all that stuff done in a shorter amount of time. Mm-hmm. And so in plus two, again, you know, the live action being more of like an, a kids and adults thing. Um, it markets better than an animated show would, um, which I think is why they're making that call um, to do it. You know, the Rebels sequel is a live action. Um, yeah. And you're right. It, at the at the end of it, all that really should matter is those actors portraying those characters tried to keep it as true to form as possible while understandably still bringing their own to it. But the story needs to match and i think that's partially why the animated shows for the most part seem to have pretty consistent story and character is because because the animation is taking so long to craft the story um board artists and the writers themselves are given a bit more time to flesh out what it is they're wanting to Mm. say because they have to make sure they say what they say because otherwise the budget's going to go all over the place um whereas with live action you know it's kind of like okay well you know we can schedule it on this day so they don't have as much time to really sit down and go do i need to say this because there's that illusion of i can just do it the next day or or i can write it the day of or something so there's that less self-control of the topic and 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 i think the volume being in play with mando specifically 
um i think even even like further adds to that element of it they mm-hmm. they these um these episodes can kind of come together like in the room a little bit more than, oh, than absolutely. other because like they're in, they're they're in the physical digital space right like they're they're in this like weird hybrid of like okay we got to do a lot of prep in order to get here but once we're here we can play jazz a little bit like we can goof with this a little bit and and go off book and you know like add this or add that or change this or change that so oh, I, I do I, I think that you do get a little you're right when you're in animation you have to ha- you have to have a plan and you have to execute the plan and you see it go wrong as well right like like uh, yeah. I always I always point at brave brave is a really good example of a movie <laughs> that they um it went through, I think, like five directors. It was mm-hmm. rewritten like a billion times. They they just they changed that story so much that by the time that you watch that movie, it's like the first third of it is one movie, the second third of it is another movie, and the last third is a completely different movie. And yeah. you're like, it's just so dissonant with itself. And that's what happens uh, uh, when that that aspect of the like the the. Uh, of of animation goes too far mm-hmm. but it's funny because i think that we have a little bit of the same problem uh on mando sometimes where it's like uh, i i th- i think some i think sometimes i know that people are like oh we need a bigger writer's room and 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 you know like other people for john to whatever and it's like sometimes i think actually i uh, if if it were just a singular voice um, or even like a like a duo, right? Of like if it was like John Favreau writing and then somebody else directing, mm-hmm. I think I think Mando might actually be tighter because when you look at Obi Wan, Obi Wan, I know that some people don't feel like it's the best Star Wars, but Obi Wan is consistent. Yes, um, wholeheartedly, like it's yeah. it's very consistent. I I throughout it. Um, and that's Deborah Chow, right? Like that's Deborah yep. Chow being a very steady hand on that on that show, the, yep. to to the extent that it feels like a six hour movie, not like a show, right? Mm-hmm. Like I I want to go back and rewatch it. I, as a matter of fact, we're we're gonna we're gonna cover it on on the podcast, nice. but um, but I haven't gone back since I think like the third time that I watched it through, which was pretty soon after it finished, like it kind of finished and then I went through and did a full rewatch. Um, because like I, cause I know that that's what I'll want to do is I'll want to just sit and watch it. Um, <laughs> I'll just want to like, so I don't know. I kind of feel like I have to block out a day <laughs> and, and just go, okay, I'm just going to watch Obi-Wan today. I think uh, to be honest, I think I might do it for my birthday. Cause it'll be like, it'll be around the one year anniversary nice. um, of the series. Um, cause it, we saw, we saw that first episode on the 27th of May, uh, which mm-hmm. is three days after my birthday. So. It's a wonderful yeah, birthday I, I mean, it, I it definitely, it definitely shows when they have, you know, pretty much one singular voice mm-hmm. working on the show. Deborah Chow with Obi Wan, Tony Gilroy with Andor. It, you know, whether you love it, hate it, or in between, mm-hmm. you can tell that you know they had an idea and they knew what they wanted to say, and then they went about saying it and there wasn't Mm -hmm. too many other people chiming in well this would be cool to add or this sort of thing um yeah so uh, it's definitely noticeable i i kind of wish it would 
be that way more often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it, it, I mean, it'll, I, I think it, I think at the end of the day, what it comes down to always is that your, your, your story has to have a purpose. Yes. Um, and, and this season with Mando, it had a purpose. I really like, I do feel like it had a purpose and that purpose was getting us to, uh, the, like the last couple of scenes. And mm-hmm. so there, there were a lot of like, sort of like fast forward moments, uh, where it's like, well, okay, okay. All of a sudden we're here. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. That's the, you know, I thought that was going to take two or three episodes, but that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Because they're like, well, we've got eight episodes this season and this is what we're going to do with those eight episodes and this is where we're going to end so i think that like i do think that like john definitely started at the shot of mando and grogu on the homestead and then worked his way backwards how do we get here Mm -hmm. (laughs) how do we get there Mm -hmm. i think i think actually that goes as far back as as what happened in book of boba fett so for me, it's like uh, to be perfectly honest. If that's the if that's why, I'm totally fine with it because the way that this season ends, uh, we're jumping all over the place. We've talked a little bit about the beginning of the episode. Now we're going to talk about <laughs> the end. But though that final shot, and I literally mean that final shot, those closing seconds of the episode, and Rick Fumiwa, I could kiss you on the mouth when that. <laughs> When that circle Iris is in Looney Tunes style on Grogu and does like the little bounce squash and stretch and then zips closed, I was like, that is both like the biggest, like, we love you to fans like me (laughs) and middle finger to the people who have a problem with this season. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it is both things where it's like, it is. It is absolutely thumbing its nose and it's going like, guys, this show's a cartoon. It always has been. Get over it. Star Wars is silly. Star Wars is silly. It's dumb. It's nonsense. Laser swords are, are, are obnoxious, right? Right. Like the thing that you think is the coolest thing in Star Wars is actually very silly. Mel Brooks pointed this out many decades ago (laughs) and, and you guys have not been paying attention, right? Uh, right. when when the when the Schwartz get wrapped, I mean, like it's you know, <laughs> just put your just put your leg up here, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, like like I I don't know. I just I think that people need to take it less seriously. I think they need to have more fun with it, um, and uh, and and also just like kind of let some of the stories be what they're gonna be, and not sure. try and force them to be what you want them to be. Let's well, let's well, do. I mean, <laughs> Sorry, go I'm ahead. being honest. I I think. Whether it works out for them or not, I think Lucasfilm yeah. is truly trying to figure out what to do with what they've got and what to make mm-hmm. of it. Because, you know, going in, it was kind of like, okay, we've got this idea of a Mandalorian going out and doing this rogue thing. And, and wouldn't it be cool if, you know, he found a kid, it, you know, the lone wolf finds its cub story. We know how this goes. And, and so, you know, they craft it and they put it out there. And it's a hit. And they're like, okay, great. Now what do we do with it? And so somebody else has an idea of like, well, wouldn't it be cool if we expanded, you know, Rebels or, or you know, wouldn't this be another cool idea? Which is how we got season two. It was a c- conglomerate of all these ideas and, 
you know, well, what if we tie it in to this? And so now they're kind of formulating a plan for going forward and, and, and they're using this big hit to kind of steer the ship sort of. And then now that they've done crafted a path forward where they think it's going to go, then they're like, okay, well, how do we, now that that's been established and is getting ready, you know, the ball, the snowball is growing. How do we come back to this other story? And well, if we're looking at the bigger picture now, let's, instead of just this one lone guy, why don't we turn it into all of the Mandalorians? And then how would that affect the rest of the galaxy? And, and you know, if our Rebels crew is going over here to do this, you know, what, what if, as a whole, the Mandalorians are over here doing that? And then how would that affect um the galaxy going forward into this new era you know which obviously at star wars celebration we got the reveal that david filoni would be directing a film that would be a culmination of these new things so i think that's why it kind of seems so scattered is is you know they they tried the one thing it worked and they were like oh cool what can i build off of it and then they were like okay now i've got you know, my string board all going all over the place. How do I tie it all together? And so I think we're kind of in the middle of that. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see because they I don't think they've said if there's a season four of Mando, have they? I uh, no I we no we haven't gotten like a, an announcement of a season four. But they, mm-hmm. I mean, so this is one of the things, and and I think that people need to wake up to this fact a little bit. Um, Disney is a business first and foremost. Right. I mean, like it's not, I, I do think that Disney as a company, as a corporation does have a solid ideology behind it. And I do think that there, it does, it does have a good moral compass. It's just that like, like any company with a moral compass, it just, it just loses it every now and then. Um, <laughs> listen, you can still get lost with a compass right? Like go out into the woods. You can still get lost even if you've got a compass. And so um, when Disney does stuff, that's a little bit off of its own morality. I, I, it's just, it's just getting, it just gets lost in the woods every once in a while and it takes Mm -hmm. a minute for it to figure out its way. Um, But, but when you put out something like Willow, I, I, you know, like it's, it's not a completely morally bankrupt company. Otherwise it wouldn't produce stuff like that. Um, Right. And so I, but, but it, but it is a company, right? It's a corporate entity and that corporate entity is beholden to shareholders. And I, and, and that's who Bob Iger works for. He doesn't work for uh, the creatives. He doesn't work for the customers. He works for the shareholders. Uh And so there's a, there's an ebb and flow. There's a pattern, there's a cadence to how these things are done because they have very real and significant effects on stock prices. So I, you don't just announce that Mando is going to be a six season series because that's one announcement. Right. Because, and I'll, and, and here, everybody, this is a little tip. This is a little tip. Watch what happens Keep your eye on Disney's stock. Take a look at it over the course of the next couple of days. Sort of get a feel of, of it. When they announce season four of The Mandalorian, 
check in on Disney's stock. Because I guarantee you, that day in particular, but in sort of an overall sense, it will have made a jump for the positive, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then wait for an investor's call. And when the investor's call happens and Bob Iger comes on and says, we're going to be very conservative about this. And and if you watch, because he, he sort of circles around things. Oh, we're going to yeah. be a little bit, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sort of tone down some of this park expansion stuff because we've been going too hard on that. So we're going to kind of tone that down right now because the parks aren't generating as much revenue as they need to. So we're going to, we're going to focus more on operations and less on expansion. Right. And that's like, that was one thing that they talk about is uh, post pandemic. There was a lot of that. And then as the parks, the pandemic, I, I mean, Hey, 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 COVID's still out there by, by the way, but, but as the pandemic has slowed down and life has returned somewhat to normal, whatever that means, um, (laughs) the, the parks have started to rebound. And now that the parks are rebounding, there's this issue with soft box office because the Marvel movies aren't making as much money as they need to. And we haven't put out a star war in a while because mm-hmm. of what happened with that last one that they put out and the one that they put out before that. Really? I, I, and yeah. So, um, I, now we're having a conversation in the most recent one of, we're going to be a little bit more conservative. We're going to be a little bit more cautious with our films. We're going to uh, focus more on quality and less on quantity because we've just been moving too fast. We've been putting out too much. And I think that the product is suffering as a result, right? That's the yeah. message, right? He's not wrong. And he's not wrong. And, and, you, and he comes out and he says it and the stock price goes up, right? Because yeah. the investors all go, okay, cool. Sounds good. Steady as she goes. Let's put more money in, right? It's going to be good. It's going to be good. They're going to make, we're going to make less movies, but we're going to make movies that make more money. And that's what we're after because we're going to make right. more money in the long run. Right. Less it's less investment and more return. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Right. Financially, it all makes sense. So let's put more money in. They do that. The stock goes up. I, uh, and then like two, three weeks later, I think, I, I don't even know if it was that long since the investors call, we have Star Wars Celebration and at Star Wars Celebration, what happens? We don't come out and say that we're, that we've canceled anything, by the way, like, like nothing <laughs> yeah. has been officially canceled by Disney, not even Rogue One, even or not Rogue One, sorry, Rogue, Rogue Squadron, even yeah, though like, yeah. I think we all know Rogue Squadron is not happening. There isn't like, a, I don't have a press release from Disney as far as, as far as I know of like we're not making that movie, right? It just kind of, they just kind of let it fizzle because yeah. you don't make those announcements because when you make those announcements, the stock price goes down. Yeah. But you do come out and you say, we're going to make a movie with Dave Filoni. We're going to make a movie with uh, uh, James Mangold because we've seen the early stuff on Indiana Jones and this movie's going to make a lot of money. Uh, and so we're going to capitalize on that and make a Star Wars with them as well. <laughs> and also here's Daisy Ridley. And here's Daisy yeah. Ridley, the, 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 the stock price jumps up real high because they, because everybody loses it. Right. That's, that's big Hollywood news. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's like, that's where we're at. And, and so Mando season four, just like bad batch season three, it was like, well, you know, celebrations coming. We're going to talk about, well, may the fourth is coming. Right. Like give, Mm -hmm. give it a little bit. We'll, we'll have next week will be, I think quiet. And then the week after that, we might get the, the gallery men Mando season three, uh, uh, the Disney gallery for Mando season three. Yeah. And, and season two of visions. And then we've got season two of visions coming as well as young Jedi adventures. Right. So mm-hmm. like, like we've got a bunch of new star Wars coming, but um, somewhere around there, like post that we'll get 
a season four announcement or we'll get we are we are due for something right because if you do if you look at celebration there was a lot of updates on tv shows but i don't know mm-hmm. if there were any announcements of new tv shows right. i can't I'm, I'm, i don't i can't think of one right but what what mm, we are no. going to yeah. I, I mean other than season two of andor no i don't think there was anything new. but that was a foregone conclusion right we already right knew yeah happening, yeah so. and then and then there was ewan mcgregor hoping for a season two of obi-wan yeah. but nothing was set in stone so so i think um so i think what we will end up getting in the next three to four weeks is an announcement of season four of mando or season two of book of boba fett um mm-hmm. And that, that because we know the next few things, but we also know that like that really only takes us into next year um, yeah. because we've got we have um, we've got Ahsoka next and then we've got Skeleton Crew and then we've mm-hmm. got Acolyte uh, and then and then I guess presumably Andor season two. Yeah. Um, and we don't know how, how many seasons Ahsoka is going to be. We don't know how many seasons Skeleton Crew is. Right. And we've never book of Boba Fett. It's presumably will be more than one volume. Right. Um, yeah. But I, I, yeah. Cause I, I think that what we'll end up doing is checking in with those characters. Again, we're jumping all over the place because I, I just wanted to note that like, I don't think that we're going to see Din and Grogu until we can explain a time jump. I, uh, I think yeah, the next time I, I sus- the, with the way, with the way today's final ended, there's yep. definitely going to be a time jump for sure. He, the next time that we see them, I think he will be speaking. Mm-hmm. I, I, agree. I, I think that it'll, I think it will have been a significant chunk of time and I and think I that think it will be a to. new puppet. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think that we needed to even before this season. And I think that that was a, that was addressed in the last two episodes with, the ig12 yes no mm-hmm. right like yeah. so it's like they're they're very clearly aware of like this character needs to grow um and and the yeah the way that the episode ends was like uh it's a that circle in is a see you later we're done but then when it pauses does the little bounce yeah. and then zips in is a for now right yeah. it's like this is the end of the story for now We'll be back. Don't worry. Grogu's coming back. Grogu's not going anywhere. But go focus on Ahsoka. Go focus on Skeleton Crew, uh, which has an Ortolan in it. So, like, don't worry. We've got stuff to put on the lunchbox. I, <laughs> you know, like we've got we've got a Tuka like Lothcat in in Ahsoka. We've got like like don't don't worry. There's going to be plenty of merch for all of this stuff. We can pump the brakes on Grogu a little bit. As a matter of fact, uh, from a merchandising perspective, it's it is it is pastime to pump the brakes on that like the market's oversaturated and now i walk in places and i just see piles of grogu merch that nobody's buying yeah um so you know my mother i'm pretty sure my mother the one that's buying it all (laughs) so i so yeah i i I think i think that we're due we're due for some new stuff hey nubs is coming guys he's 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 just weeks (laughs) away don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. There's always something to put on the lunchbox, right? Yeah, so, I, mean, I definitely think there's going to be a season four, bare minimum. Whether they do a second Boba Fett or not, uh, I I don't know. But I mean, definitely as we get closer to 
like a hey Dave Filoni's film is coming I definitely think there will be a season four that will kind of be a mm-hmm. tie-in to this is happening go see the movie sort of thing yeah yeah absolutely and, and by um, then it'll have been enough distance of time to where Grogu will have aged up to yeah. be more of a part of it than just a floating green baby I think um, I think Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew actually give the perfect opportunity for us to step away, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, yeah, yeah. we're going, we're quite literally going to a different part of the galaxy and we're going to see some perspectives on a different part of the galaxy. Book of Boba Fett was not far away enough, right? Like Book of Boba Fett was, was adjacent to Mando because yeah. it's yeah. another, it's another T-Face. I, I, and, I, and it's a planet that, that Din's been to with Grogu and we're going to see familiar faces with Peli and stuff like that. Right. So um, it's Tatooine, right? Like every time we go to Tatooine, it's like, come on, everybody, sooner or later, everybody ends up walking through Tatooine. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I think like, like, like Book of Boba Fett didn't get us far enough away, but Ahsoka is going to, it's going to get us into the, the unknown regions and out of the outer rim. So I, I think like that, that will be um, a great excuse of like, and I know that some people are kind of like, Oh, I think maybe they're setting up that Din and Grogu could show up in Ahsoka. And I don't think so. I, I it's not their story. Um, Ahsoka needed to show up in Grogu's story. That was that, that if she's around in that time period, yeah, she's got to yeah. show and, up, right? And, and and as weird and as you know, inserted as it was, she did for the most part serve a purpose mm-hmm. in season two of Mando. So, yeah, I you know, like it felt weird having her there, but she she did have a purpose, and you know, for the most part, it worked. Yeah, Le- less so less so I think in Book of Boba Fett, right? But. But, um, but yeah, but, but for Mando season two, I think it was good, but, uh, but yeah, let's get, let's get into the nitty gritty of this episode. Cause we've kind of talked about, we've bookended it, but let's talk about, let's talk about the, the meat of it. Sure. Um, it was a video game. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, like I I started watching So I'm going to start off by saying I did, I did like the episode, Mm -hmm. but, um, my takeaway level of excitement was the same as watching Bob Ross paint trees. And I kept thinking, you know, okay, here's here's your intro cutscene. Always oh, been saved. Okay, now it goes back to the player. And the players running through the halls. We're doing a stealth sneak, trying to avoid these guys. Okay, here's a level. And I kept thinking of Jedi, I guess because Jedi uh, Survivor is coming out. But it reminded me a lot of um, Fallen Order. You know, so you know, the little droid goes over and, and you know, turns yeah. the thing. And then you go you, know, you tr- go through each level and they have a different weapon. And so, you know, you have to use different mechanics to go past it. And, okay, now you've got the boss... But but you know it's it's kind of like you're you're on the back foot. You're not sure. You think you can win, but you don't know. And then randomly a cutscene comes in, and everything gets crazy weird. And then you gotta like step two of the boss level two of the boss fight, and then you change. You know you fight through that for a bit, and then at the very end, it's you know whether you don't win or not, or you're gonna lose. 
Then there's a really long, like, Final Fantasy-style cutscene where it just takes forever, <laughs> and then you're done. And I'm yeah. like, well, yeah, that was just a video game episode. Okay, then. <laughs> so. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was very, like, Metal Gear Solid uh, sneaking around the base. Um, uh-huh. But But I did love... <laughs> I love how we all after last week were like, oh my God, like they now they have to rescue Din. Um, now he's the damsel in distress. Yeah. And then this episode starts and it's like they can make it like ten steps down the hallway and he looks at this guy and the other guy and goes, Oh, I can take these guys. And and just like and just houses the one guy, just like just murders him, just like snaps his neck. Yeah. Um, yeah. and and I and I'm confident he would have found his way out of the other one, but then Grogu shows up, right? Yeah. And we're good. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's Din. That's Din. Like, you just, like, this guy, you cannot count him out. You just can't. He's going to do it, do what it takes to get the job done. Yeah, um, there was a lot of nods to season one this time yeah. around. The fact yeah. that he was pretty much capable, capable fighter. Um, and, you know, that Grogu saves them from the fire blast again. Yeah. It's just I think it's funny because I think over the course of this season, because he's been out of his element, um and and you know, like 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 we've been sort of like, you know, going from place to place and he's been taking a backseat to other characters, mm-hmm. that there was an aspect of like everybody thinking that he'd like somehow weakened. And then this episode was like, No, no, he's Dinjarin, you guys. Like, like this guy, <laughs> this guy is pretty formidable like there's some stuff that he's not so great at like um free thinking not one of his strong suits right like yeah. like, like he's like he's like my shoelace is undone armorer what should i do i uh, yeah. and then she's like well ma- the great path of the mandalore tells us tie your shoe din tie your <laughs> shoe um like yeah, everything needs to be a religious lesson for him but i i but but you put him in a hallway with a with a person who's trying to hurt him and he's like oh i can deal with this i can handle this and so yeah he was like he comes up on the 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 laser gates and he's like he's like oh a series of hallways with people that want to hurt me i can do this and it's like open the gate and then do the next one and the next one and the next one um but yeah it it was funny because it did like i we got there and I was like, Oh no, what's he going to do with all these guys? And then he's like, Oh, it's okay. I got this, <laughs> you yeah. know? And we just, we just have the deus ex machina literally of a machine that comes to save the day in the form of R five. Yeah. He's just like, I'll just, I'll just scomp link this or whatever. And we get the great comedic scene of like the one, the one mouse droid. I look, it, it ramps up and it gets sillier and sillier as it goes. And I love it. But that first one, when he lands, when R five lands, and he kind of zips over. <laughs> yeah. And he like, he kind of peeks to see like, is the coast clear? And the, and the one stormtrooper goes by and he's like, Oh, I'm going to wait. And then, and then I, and then he kind of peeks again. And then, and then he like, he like zips across, he like zips yeah. across that little hallway. Like, <laughs> like, Oh, no, nothing to see here. It's just the, the, the performance on that droid in this episode was top tier star Wars droid. Oh, like yeah. that was like R five has this week for me because like he's he, like i have i don't have a problem with r5 and any of the other stuff that he's done this season or last season or whatever right since he's been introduced in the show um but this episode gave r5 like the r2 
chopper bb8 level mm. of personality where yeah. it's like he, he r5 is now distinct from those other characters that i just mentioned even though like all four of them are essentially the same character right but mm. especially in terms of physicality like very very similar but then they all have their nuance right they all like yeah like R2 is the standard. R2 is the default. He's the Leonardo, right? He's even blue. Um, <laughs> so he's the one that we're going to judge the other ones on. Chopper takes R2 and goes, what if R2 was mean, right? right. BB-8 takes R2 and goes, what if R2 was a little kid, right? So he was more playful and a little bit, yeah. a little bit more like silly and, and uh, expressive. Uh, and then R5 has now taken R2 and gone, but what if R2 was a coward? Because R2 is a is courageous. R2 is lassie, right? Like, yep, like, yep. like goes down into the mine to save you when it collapses, right? But what <laughs> but what if what if R2D2 was scared? And that's and that's who uh, R5 is. But he's still R2, right? He's still an astrodroid. So he's mm-hmm. still got that little bit of like adventure is in my blood. I just don't like it. Right. Um, so it's like, as I love that, like, as soon as his job is done, he's like, all right, I'm out of here. And he just rockets away. And it's like, um, but yeah, that, that moment when he zips across the hall to get to the scomp link and it's like, why don't you just land on the other side? Right. But it's like, but because we need that little bit of like Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton comedy of Mm -hmm. like, of the, like, like the whistling nonchalant, nothing to see here. Uh, sort of attitude from from this little droid but they nailed it they they just they they brought so much to that character this week oh yeah um and really like made me love him as this like this counterpoint to din and grogu it's like it's just I, I love this little family unit that we've got with these characters like i just love how everybody ends up fitting into into that family aspect of it um yeah, I yeah, think that they, was definitely one of my favorite aspects of this season. Yeah, for sure. Um, I let's let's talk. We've talked a lot about Din and Grogu, but let's talk about the Bo-Katan stuff. So mm-hmm. they they kind of turn tail and run, right? Uh, yep. They get out of there through an action sequence, blow some stuff up. Cool, that's fine. <laughs> Very Mandalorian of them. They okay. rock it away, and then the the survivors are like, uh, "Hey." I, I know where we can hide and this scene m- might feel to a lot of people like it was pointless but i think it's, it was pointless for the finale it didn't have any effect on the finale but it's gonna yeah. be very 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 important when we when we see the mandalorians again yeah and that's they they land in this little garden grove area and uh and and uh Casca and Bo are both kind of like this is like what is this? Like you, you guys found a garden. <laughs> what and, is grass? Yeah, and well, because like, and and Bo says it, which I really appreciate that she says it out loud, which is that, um, like the surface is not supposed to be inhabitable, like not yeah. because of what the Imperials did, but because of what the Mandalorians did in the Civil yeah. War a thousand years ago or whatever, right? Like, like the surface mm-hmm. of Mandalore has been dead for centuries yeah that's and why they like, lived in dome cities and underground yeah the top was toast so this i think that for a lot of people watching this scene was too understated right like i think that I, I think certainly for the casual star wars fan that's not us 
I, I, I think that this scene was way too understated because I know that when, when I get there with Crystal, I'm going to have to explain to her that like, listen, the Mandalorians wrecked their planet. Like we're doing to ours, you know, like how we're doing to ours. They destroyed their own ecosystem. So the fact that there's grass and fruit and vegetables growing out in the open air on Mandalore is a massive symbol of Mm -hmm. the rebirth of of the Mandalorian culture. That like not only are they going to return to their, their ancestral home, they are actually like, like they're going to return. Yeah. They're going to return to a way of life that they haven't had for a thousand years. Like since before, basically they started messing with the Jedi. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I, it's a, it's, it's a lot like how um, Mustafar in rise of Skywalker is also wildly understated that like, they never say that it's Mustafar, which is a really big problem. Because yeah. the last time we were on Mustafar in the story for the movies, it was a lava planet. It was desolate, and it was the place that Anakin Skywalker died and Darth Vader was born. Right, like like in right. in truth. Um, and uh, and then we come back and it's like there's trees growing on this planet. I didn't realize that trees could dro- could grow on Mustafar. It's like corner. Well, <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's like well, actually, like the planet has been healing since the fall of the empire, since the Sith disappeared, right? Mm-hmm. And now here comes Kylo Ren, and maybe it's gonna mess things up again. Maybe not. Yet to be seen. D- TBD. I <laughs> uh, at that point in the story, right? Um, yeah. I and so like it, in a very similar way, like this is a it's it's it, it mirrors what's happened on Navarro. Where like Din comes to Navarro, ruins everything, but in ruining everything, Navarro is reborn as this oasis, right? Mm -hmm. And the planet actually starts to reflect that, not just the city, but like the whole planet starts to reflect that. And we're seeing that on Mandalore. So I think the next time that we see Mandalore, we will see that like they have reestablished the capital they're building right mm-hmm. i don't think it'll be built i don't even if they take even if we come back and it's like been five years or something like that right like we go tell the the ahsoka story and it takes a really long time right then we come back and it's like we go okay you know like there's been a five-year time jump they won't have like rebuilt the capital but they'll have like they'll 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 have a new capital right that sort right. of right yeah um and that it will look very different from the way that it did before because mm-hmm. this, 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 yeah, this plant life being like the, the way that I wish I knew the character's name. I don't, I don't have it up, but um, he says like, these are like these, these, these plants are native, like native to Mandalore. Yeah. Like they were here before. Basically what he says is like, they were here before us. Cause like the implication is that Mandalore is not, um, Humans aren't native to Mandalore, right? Like humans aren't, uh, we don't really in the Star Wars galaxy know where humans are native to. They're like a disease. Like they've just kind of (laughs) spread to all corners of the galaxy. Like we know that Duros are from Duros, right? Right. We know that, that Anzellans are from whatever planet. We know that um, uh, Zabrak come from, uh, oh, and now I've lost the name of the planet. But Zabrak aren't even native to Dathomir, right? Like they're they're native to the planet that they come from. I can't remember what it is. 
but yeah, uh, I believe so. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, like, like, and, and, and the, the Knight sisters like kidnapped a bunch of them. And, and that's why there's a bunch of Zabrak on, on yep. Dathomir that are the Knight brothers. Right. So it's like, like, there's a bunch of these ideas in Star Wars of like, you know, these species come from other places and Mandalorians are humans, but they're humans that, that settled Mandalore. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think what we've learned over the course of this season is that Mandalore is a dinosaur dragon planet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's like there's like these weird six-eyed monkey cavemen that are the native like like uh, uh, intelligent species on the planet but like the humans almost wiped them out basically like drove them underground yeah i i they were supposed to because I, I think that din says like they were supposed to be extinct or something um but obviously they're not and I, uh, I, but like these dinosaurs, like the one that we saw last week and the mythosaur and, and that sort of like, that's, those are the native animals to this planet, not humans. Right. right. Um, and so when he, when he makes that comments of like, these like, this is the native flora. It's like, this is the stuff that was here before we were here. Like the planet has like the plant, like we found it and we've been able to cultivate it and it can grow. And because it belongs here, because it's native to the planet, it like it takes to it. Right. Like it's Mm -hmm. like 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 he's he's not bragging. He's proud. Right. He's like like it's there's a there's a subtle difference there. If he's not like there's no like look what we did. He's like, no, no, no. We just found it and gave it a place. Right. And 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 it's like, well, what does it need? Farm it. Yeah. 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 It's like, what does it need? Just room to grow. That's it. It just needs room to grow. This is where it belongs, just like we do, right? Like, just like the Mandalorians. If we can learn to live in balance with our own planet, i.e. with each other, united, not fighting one another, which is what this season's been about, right? So, right. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I, I, th- I think that that scene, to me, might even be, other than that last shot, it might be my favorite moment in the whole episode. Cause I was just like, I was sitting there in the middle of the night, just like flabbergasted is the use that I word that I used on, on Twitter. Um, yeah. I, was I, was, I, was, was I, I didn't short, expect it. Like you said, where they get there to hide and then she's like, what is grass? And he's like, Oh, it's native. And it's always been here. And it, it just, we were learning to farm it and you just need it to grow. <laughs> And then, you know, she has this like, oh, this is amazing. And I'm like, cool, this is really important and very meaningful. And then they're like, oh, hey, our ships arrived. And they're like, oh, okay, we can stop hiding now. Bye. (laughs) Like, no, we got to talk about this. Yeah, this is this is one of the first places where where last week's episode let this week's episode down in that they did not they didn't clearly establish not clearly enough. When I look back at it, I go like, okay, so they did kind of talk about what the plan was, but they didn't, they didn't clearly establish what the potential threat was mm-hmm. because it was a twist, right? Because the, they didn't know that the, that the Imperials were there. We didn't know that the Imperials were there. So there was really no, like when they were like, we're going to send out a scouting party. It was like, well, why the planet's desolate, right? Yeah. Like what is, cause you got to deal with the, with the, 
the spider monkey guys like i why okay i feel like you i feel like there's enough of you that you don't have to worry about it but then it turned out that like oh the 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 capital is our not the capital but the the forge is is like infested with imperial super commandos okay mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it was a good idea that you guys sent down the scouting party right and then and then the rest of them show up and it's like your reinforcements have arrived and then they all start like jumping out of the ships as if they have a plan. And I'm like, oh, there was like a moment where I was like, oh, this was the plan. The plan was we're going to scout ahead and see what the situation is. Uh, we know what the situation is now. We have a whole bunch of Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. We can handle this. This is what we do. Right. So I like I think that there was an expectation this week that they were going to run back to the fleet and that like the battle would take place with the fleet and with the TIE fighters. But it was like, actually, the plan all along was we're going to go to the forge and we're going to take the forge and maybe we don't need to do anything. Maybe we just get there and then we just call everybody and go like, hey, let's have a party. But the reality was we got there and there were a bunch of Imperials. So get everybody so that we can wipe out these Imperials and then we'll have a party. I so I just think I just think that they they didn't do a good enough job of establishing that that was the like like that there that there were multiple aspects to this plan um and that that there were different ways that it could go and this was one scenario that we're actually prepared for right like that the mandalorians mm-hmm. were they're they're actually not on their back foot they're actually it's like oh no somebody else has taken the forge we have to take it back was always part of the plan it just it i think it was just a scenario they didn't and they didn't go through all of the scenarios had they yeah. done that, I think it would have made more sense for us. And it would have been like, and then this little interlude of like, hey, look at this grass would have been like, okay, while we wait for reinforcements to arrive, we're just looking at some grass, which is hugely important and symbolic and and, and a major plot point. But um, but it's an interlude and not the episode. And, and, uh, and the episode is what we got next, which was a whole bunch of Mandalorians rocketing in to fight a whole bunch of super commandos. And I listen, one of the best scenes in all of Star Wars, I it like it, it always feels hyperbolic from when I say stuff like that, when we get to something, but it's like, this is now, I was watching the episode going like, I can't believe that this is what we're doing. Not in the sense of like, this doesn't make any sense, but in the sense of like, like the, the, the Paul Rudd gif of like, like, look at us. Like, who'd, who'd have thunk? Not me, right? Like, look at look at where we are. And that's and that's that was the thing. It's like I'm looking at this, going like, I knew we were gonna get to something like this eventually. I didn't realize it was gonna be the finale of season three, right? Mm-hmm. And and it is. And this was the war for Mandalore, and it wasn't on the scale that I think some people wanted or hoped for. But I think that for me, in my journey with this story, it was as meaningful as as it needed to be um, as I wanted it to be in terms of like when, when they're rocketing in and Bo-Katan takes out the dark saber and lights it up in front of her and like does the charge. And then, and then it like, and then it goes over to like, I think it goes over to Casca and she like whips out her blasters and then it goes over to the armor and she like bangs her tools together. And, And I was like, I was like, let's go guys. Like this is, this is about as close to, um the portals 
scene as we've gotten in star wars yeah like the portal scene from endgame right mm-hmm. of like this is this is our this is mandalorians assemble like let's go <laughs> it's time to it's it's time to take out these imperials and that's where like the episode really flipped for me of like i was like oh cool like we're gonna deal with the imperials by the end of this episode that's what's happening is like i don't think gideon's making it out of this one um so when it, when 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 he gets fried later i was like cool <laughs> like i didn't i didn't think it was going to be quite this quick but but and i listen i don't think he's gone he he cloned himself uh, n- times. Mm, yeah i i would be shocked if that's literally yeah. the last of him um uh but he messed up he messed up by uh, uh his his darth vader ascension order you got to get you have to get burnt first and then put into the robot suit not into the <laughs> robot suit and then get burnt because now like if you're in the robot suit and then you get burnt there's really nowhere to go from there Right? right like you just kind of you now you're just a burnt robot man um but uh yeah i don't know i it, it'll be interesting to discover that like he survived that or there's a clone or that yeah, wasn't actually guess. Yeah. that good right like like uh but we'll see we'll see um but that was the other thing that too that felt gamey is is you know, like in game development or something you know you have all these crazy ideas you want to do but budget and time come to bite you in the butt and then you you know you have like a half finished game or whatever and you got to ship it out and so like okay let's cut together whatever we've got and and you know finish it out as an ending and and that's kind of what it reminded me of is like there were there were lots of thread points up to this point that I felt like still needed to be addressed but they ran out of time or budget or both and, and so they were like quick throw throw this ending very quickly together it looks super cool um the end yeah yeah, yeah. uh just, just <laughs> cra- crash a star destroyer into it oh okay cool yeah um yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but let, let's talk let's talk about gideon for a minute so after Gro- mm-hmm. after din and grogu make it through the laser gates we 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 finally get to see what's in those clone vats right and it's funny because yeah. they they really really labored it where I was like, can we, are we going to, are you guys going to just walk past these? We're not going to see what's in them. And then Grogu stops and he turns and looks at one and he gets close to it. And we see that it's Gideon and that he's, he's got a bunch of clones of himself. I thought the commandos were going to be clones. I thought, I thought that, that, that one of their helmets was going to get knocked off and we were going to find out that they were all, I, either we were going to see Tem's face or, or, or it was going to be Gideon. Under there, yeah, that like had the, been that had been my assumption. It was that yeah. they were, clones. but I think that whether the, they were clones of him or not, but they were, yeah, clones. I I think that they were just troopers. I think they were just people, um, Lame. like just just like regular <laughs> stormtroopers. I I I mean, like I th- I like lame because like what a, what a what a terrible plan of yours is like. Well, you can't just put Mandalorian armor on anybody. Like like it 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 comes with training and uh and skill but um in order to be utilized right but i i so you just put it on a bunch of stormtroopers and they're still just stormtroopers but narratively i think it ended up making sense because the mandalorians come in and it's like the the story point here is like you can steal our tech you can steal you can appropriate our culture but you can't actually become us without yeah. becoming one of us right yeah. 
Because like because what we've learned is that like you don't have to be born a Mandalorian to become a Mandalorian, right? Din wasn't born a Mandalorian and yet he is Mando, right? right. We call him Mando. Grogu is baby Yoda and yet we consider him a Mandalorian, right? Mm-hmm. And he's growing into that. And and so like there's this lesson of like you can you can adopt the culture and you can become a part of it by genuinely being a part of the culture contributing to it and learning from it but that's not Gideon's thing Gideon's thing is appropriation right like it's yeah. it's a colonizer viewpoint of like we came here we took your best scar we put it on our stormtroopers and now we're better than you because mm-hmm. we took it from you and and the Mandalorians come in and it's like and I think narratively like it has to be that it's like no no, no, you can take our best scar and you can put it on, but you cannot be Mandalorians. Mandalorians are Mandalorians and we will win. And they do, right? And like like there's the there's the great scene with Casca where it's like she's being chased. I think it was Casca. It's hard to tell cuz she doesn't have anything like special about her armor. Mm-hmm. Um like they need to I if 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 she's going to come back, I which I assume she will. I think they need to like they need to like stylize her up a little bit so that she stands out from the other Mandalorians. Well, she has more. the similar uh, night owl shape. The night helmet, owls, yeah. right? It just doesn't have any markings. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like they need to like they need to Sabine her up a little bit so that she's yeah. like uh, so that she just stands out a little bit more. But um, I but I think it was I think it was meant to be Casca, I where it's like she's being chased and and she like sort of like cuts the jetpack, slides across the thing, and like flips over, falls a little bit, and then hits it again and like blasts the guy. And mm. I was like, like see, like you you guys have been using jetpacks for a week. These guys started using jetpacks when they were children, right? Like, there's a big difference here in how. Casca uses a jetpack versus how the 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 super troopers are using the jetpacks, um, and so yeah, like it, it, I I I, th- I thought that they 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 did that really effectively. Um, for me, I don't know that everybody was on the same wavelength with that one, which is which speaks to how effective the storytelling is overall, right? If if mm-hmm. you know some people see it a certain way and other people just sort of see it as a fight, <laughs> it's high. You know, it is what it is, but um, the I like that Din came out to f- face down Gideon. He was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat you, Gideon," and then Gideon was like, "No, you're not. You can't, I, uh, because I have all of these advantages of a robot suit. I, uh, so I'm, I, and and you know, uh, actual weapons right now. Like Din doesn't have a signature weapon at the moment, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Um. I hope that he gets one when we see him again, but I, the, 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 the Praetorians come out and I, I, and so Din ends up in a fight with them and I, and, and we think he's going to lose, but then Grogu shows up and then they fight Grogu and they fight Din and the IG 12 gets destroyed, but doesn't matter because Grogu's got it under control. Anyways, (laughs) this was, this was such a, a, um, I don't know if cathartic was the, is the right way to, to say it, but it just, this to me was the payoff. I think a lot of us have been waiting for with Grogu uh, f- since like the end of season one of like, Oh no, like this little dude can do it. Yeah. He can do it. Right. I uh, like, he can fight if he needs to, he doesn't want to, but he can. And I, uh, I, and, and along with Din, like the two of them, like 
like combo fighting these guys they they managed to take out the praetorian and i've seen people be like oh they nerfed the praetorians and it's like well first of all there were like there were like eight of them in last jedi right was there yeah. se- seven or eight of them there were only three this time uh there I were think, only three of them yeah oh i'm trying to remember i think there were six three was it six was it like three on three i feel yeah. like i i feel like like I, man it's so funny a million years ago i would have only exclusively called him kylo and i was about to call him ben and i was like but he's not ben he is kylo in that scene I think he takes out like two of them pretty quick and then fights like two more for a while. Yeah. Uh, while Ray fights one and then two. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's like, there's at least seven. I don't know. I'd have to go back and like count it out, but there's a bunch of them in any case. There's, there's a bunch of them. I, I, and it's, and, and you know, I, Ray has still only fought with a lightsaber once at that point. Uh, uh, unless we count uh, pointing it at Luke's face, a fight. Um, but, I count that, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, a fight that she that wins. Rock had it coming. Yeah. Um, but I, I, which I, and that's the thing that I love about that scene so much is that like, like Kylo is just like housing these guys, but like still overwhelmed because there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ray's like fighting one of them for quite a while <laughs> and having a not such a great time with it, but <laughs> but manages, right? Like she she gets through it. And it was one of those things of like everybody who complains about her being a Mary Sue. And it's like, but this but this is very clearly blocked to show us that like she's good, but she's not all powerful yet. Right. <laughs> she will be, but not yet, right? Um, and that, and that like Kylo has, 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 uh, you know, like, a, a much more prowess with a lightsaber, which makes what Snoke says to him earlier in the movie, all that much more effective of like, you were bested by a girl who'd never held a lightsaber yeah. and it's like, and it's, and why? Because he's unbalanced, right? Like it's, yep. it's not because he's, she's better. It's because he was in a real bad spot. Um, but yeah. So Din and Grogu fighting these Praetorians, I, I, I don't think that they expected Grogu to be able to do what he did. And so they were, they weren't prepared for the fight that they were in. They thought that they were fighting Din Jaren and didn't realize that like Din was actually just assisting Grogu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, Cause yeah, cause Grogu does some pretty impressive stuff this this episode. I and no and no and no but, but no his, nap nap. All his fighting is very passive mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, obviously he's a baby trying not to get killed, so he's jumping yeah. around on ceiling furniture. But but even when Din comes in to help, all his actions of like tripping the Praetorians or pulling away their weapons—they're very passive. Yeah. So, yeah, it definitely leads to like he's become more confident in himself and more um, confident in controlling of his abilities. But he's still very like, I don't want to be doing this. I'm just doing it to save dad, sort of thing. It's um, it's not it's not like he grabbed you know the whip or whatever and was lashing these guys it was just let me shoot that you know let me scoot it out of the way while dad shoots you <laughs> yeah um it's a it 
it read as very um like uh uh like tai chi to me yes. in the way that he was yes. doing it where he wasn't he it's not it's not even so much that he was like acting on them he was redirecting their energy right like yeah. he was it's like oh you think you're running in that direction well let me just twist this and now you're now you're falling right like mm-hmm. like he was just sort of like he was using their own their own um uh evil motivation against them right uh and it, like and i think very similar with what he does with gideon as well where it's like he's 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 just sort of um allowing them to trip themselves up in a lot of instances mm-hmm. and uh yeah which i think is a very like i i think it was a very intentional choice i think like that was like a very like this is how grogu fights Go- grogu doesn't fight by hurting but by allowing you to make your own mistake which is a very yoda thing to do right like it's right. a very that's a very yoda way of of approaching a battle um and yeah. it's very similar to the way that luke fights kylo at the end of tlj right well, Where well it's i like... think too for what little well, what little i remember of the episode in book of boba fett that's kind of how luke was teaching him was this mm-hmm. very passive you know self-defense yeah. through movement sort of thing and and he shows that he took it to heart so yeah no i like it and it and it's and it, it reinforces the moment from last week's episode where the Mandalorians are fighting where Paz and, and Axe are fighting and Grogu gets in there and he stops them. He's like, no, right. Like mm-hmm. I, I, and, and sort of like teaching them that like, no, we need to, we need to stick together. Right. I, mm-hmm. I, and they learn the lesson. And so, yeah, I think he's, he's going to bring very, a very interesting element to the Mandalorian ideology that it's missing right now. That is something that like, this is, this has sort of been one of the lessons of the show is how much the Mandalorians and the Jedi are actually similar, even though they're like sworn enemies, which has always mm. been for me, the thing that like the, the show has painted them very much as like the ninja to the Jedi samurai. Right. Right. The, the samurai have a, a, a higher code of honor than the ninja, and yet they are beholden to the feudal lords that they serve. So right. if that lord is evil, then those samurai are evil, right? Which is exactly what happened to the Jedi. The Jedi were beholden to the Republic. The Republic became evil. The Jedi, the Jedi started doing things that were outside of their own ideology, outside of their own ethical code, and became mm-hmm. generals in a war that they should never should have. Right? That's a very like samurai. Like that's that's it's you know like that's how the samurai ended up going extinct as well. Is that like there were warring feudal lords, and the samurai would go to battle with each other because their lords demanded it, even right. though like both people on both sides were just they were just fighting for the egos of these Lords. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which was so against the ideology and the ethos of the samurai. And yet the ninja who are assassins that you can hire, they value that freedom. Like, because the, 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 a lot of the lessons and the techniques and the, the, the skill and stuff like that came out of the teachings of the samurai, but was then adapted 
for for these other means, right? And right. so I I they're they're <laughs> they are ideologically opposed sides of the same coin, which is it's it's a, a it's it's such an interesting um, thing to look at culturally when when you look at at feudal Japan and how all of that happened and and you know how ninja came about and and all that when you get past the you know mutant turtles and the uh, daredevil and all of the stuff that we know ninjas as today because of what the 80s turned them into in pop culture but when you actually look <laughs> at like historically the purpose that they served um culturally in japan i i it's 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 really fascinating and I and that stuff I don't know I still don't know if it's intentional or if it's just me putting a layer on top of the Mandalorian Jedi stuff that I want to see there. But at times it feels very intentional. And so then having Grogu be outside of the samurai ethos because he's not a Jedi in the sense that like Luke is a Jedi or even mm-hmm. like Ahsoka or or Ezra or any of the other. Jedi that we know are kicking around at this point in the time period, the type of Jedi that Luke was going to train um, and that Ben was, and then obviously fell off the path of mm-hmm. uh, uh, all of that stuff that's all gone wrong. And the reason why, why the Jedi quote unquote need to end. Right. Um, but that Grogu is like, I, I Grogu's more of a sage. He's more of a, uh, now we're going this is this is not to conflate japanese and chinese cultural iconography but star wars does this so so i think it's fair it it mixes eastern and western philosophy all the time and well as i'm sitting here it just kind of dawned on me that um you know now now is his uh son learning the ways of being a mandalorian you know and, and, and he goes to be selective of his jobs. Well, what, what do those jobs mean? You know, is it just strictly bounty hunting or protecting, mm-hmm. you know, like he did with Navarro? And from a Mandalorian perspective, it's very much like in your face, as he says, I bring you in cold, I bring you in warm sort of thing. Yeah. But what it's being set up for that Din does at the end is he's pretty much teaching Grogu how to defend himself and defend his lands. But if Grogu continues, as we've seen him, you know, obviously he's taking that more defensive approach. Mm -hmm. And so in a roundabout way through Mandalorian culture, he will be upholding what was the base rule of the Jedi, which was to, you know, bring about peace and protect the common yeah. folk and de-escalate, you know, yeah. confrontations. He, he, yeah. And it, so he'll it, be bringing about, you know, the true role of the Jedi. It's um, it, exactly. And it's it's so funny because like and I think this is why I'm resonating so much with the way that this season ends. Din and Grogu have become what I want Ray's new Jedi Order to be, which mm-hmm. like I, I I think I said this on on last week or the week before his episode. Um, in the in the original draft of of the Star Wars, right, the one that got got adapted 
<clears throat> into the comic series uh, that Dark Horse did right before they lost the license. Um, it it depicts the Jedi as less centralized, like less of the sort of like Temple on Coruscant sort of thing, and more as uh, like wanderers, right? Like like mm-hmm. uh, like almost like Ronin, right? Where they're yeah. they're just kind of out in the galaxy. Like a Jedi has a ship and maybe he's got an apprentice or two on that ship with him. And they're just going from place to place helping keep the peace, keep justice, right wrongs, triumph over evil. I, I, you know, like, like, like that sort of a thing. And that's what I want. Like, that's what I, it's, it's my belief that that's what the Jedi are meant to be. That, Mm -hmm. that what we saw them as what we even see them as in the high Republic is their, um, is the beginning of their downfall, uh, like their their right. their slow creep down towards uh, the the fall in in the fall of the Republic, right, and the fall of the mm-hmm. Jedi Order, uh, which is like of their own doing. They 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 become attack dogs for the Republic, and that's sort of like that's the point at the beginning of the Phantom Menace, of yeah. like they're being sent in to settle a trade dispute. And it's like, this is supposed to be a diplomatic mission, but immediately we have to fight these people. Why? Yeah. Right. This isn't what we're supposed to do. Well, we're doing it for the Republic. What does that mean? Right. The, and the, right. in the second movie, it's like the Republic is corrupt. Okay. But we defend the Republic. We defend what the Republic stands for, but the Republic doesn't stand for that anymore. Hi, I wonder what that's about. Um, and, you know, so by the third movie, when the Republic falls and the Jedi are eliminated as a result, it's like, well, you guys, you guys actually created the scenario for Palpatine to do this to you. It's not that Palpatine created the the complacency in the Jedi. He took advantage of it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so this is what they were always meant to be was was I I you know like journeymen protectors which is funny because that's what when they established the backstory of boba fett um in in the old canon there was a thing of like well boba fett used to be this character jaster Muriel, who was a, a journeyman protector before he became a bounty hunter and changed mm-hmm. and became Boba Fett. And then that eventually became like, well, Jaster Muriel is the person who trained Boba Fett. Well, Jaster Muriel is the person who trained Jango Fett. Right. And it's like, oh, he was a, he was, he's from Concord Dawn. Concord Dawn is the planet. Well, actually like Concord Dawn is a moon of Mandalor, right? Like everything yeah. sort of like morphed into this other thing. But that, that term journeyman protector is, is actually like, like, so the idea was that Boba was a journeyman protector before he became an Imperial super commando, which was the term before Mandalorian was thrown in there. Cause Mandal- like, obviously nobody <laughs> says it in empire. Right? right. Um, so it was like, like there's all of these ideas that are all like sort of out there and it ties into, it ties back into what the Jedi were originally meant to be, which was like, they're supposed to be out there just going about the galaxy doing good. Yeah. Right. And, and that's and like journeyman protector. That's what that sounds like is somebody who just like goes around the galaxy doing good. I, mm-hmm. uh, and a gun for hire in a certain way, but like also I, uh, 
a gun for hire, a bounty hunter, it like with a heart of gold sort of thing, which is what Dan yeah. is. And so I like that's like we've now established that. And so yeah, we have we do we've got Din, who's this bounty hunter with a heart of gold. He's what the Mandalorian should be. It's what they should strive to be. Mm-hmm. Um, he because he's he's kind and compassionate and uh, empathic or empathetic, I guess. No, yeah. empathic. I think he's yeah he's empathic, right? Empathetic yeah. would mean that we empathize with him, but he is empathic. He is he 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 has very good empathy skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and yet, like, if you cross him, he will mess you up. Right. Yeah. So he's kind of a perfect Mandalorian in that sense. And then we've got Grogu, who's actually representing a pretty perfect Jedi at this point, um, even more than Luke is at this point, which mm-hmm. I think is a really interesting thing to look at. So uh, I think the other nice yeah. thing, too, is how we will be <sighs> able to see this Jedi raised. Um by choice you know so so all other jedi of course you know didn't really get the chance to choose whether or not they just got taken and for grogu it was his choice to leave and grow as a person through love and and i think that'll be really interesting to see because it will impact him you know why why does he protect and help these people well because he loves it. It's not just a sense of, well, I have compassion for good people and, and mm-hmm. you know, a drive to do good things. That's my purpose. It's he's doing these actions out of love and care. And it's not just sort of like this detached, you know, temple commune sort of thing. It's it's, you know, I've built a community and I have an attachment to these people and this is why I do the things I do. It gives me purpose. It gives me strength. And, yeah. and which is far more wholesome than just, well, I'm here and this is my job. And especially with Din being so understanding of others, or at least trying to be for most circumstances, is that Grogu will learn, you know, not to just pop into somebody's home world and be like, well, I think you should do this because that's what I deem is right. He's going to go in with respect that's going to try and understand the culture to the best of his ability and then make his decision from there, hmm. um, which would be amazing. That that makes a more balanced person yeah. and with someone who is strong in the force and, you know, is supposed to be the good protector those are qualities that past jedi lacked that he now has the opportunity yeah. to develop and display well yeah i, I and i think uh, i it, it, it's it's uh, it's the stoicism right like mm-hmm. i the the jedi of the old republic the the jedi that fell at, at, at the end of the republic were very stoic uh, Yoda was very stoic. Yoda, Yoda continued to be stoic even in isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, although I think that he struggled more with the stoicism towards the end of his life. And so there's a, there's a few moments of, of emotionality. Right. But, um, but the, but the, the, the purpose of stoicism as a philosophy is to do away with emotional response, right? Yeah. You, you're making responses out of reason and logic um as opposed to out of out of like your gut 
you're right. You're, 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 you're reacting from your mind instead of from your gut. Um, and so, you know, we see a lot of really prime examples of this in the Jedi order. Mace Windu is the, is the, the biggest like stoicism red flag out yeah. of all of them. And it's why he gets a lot of flack because there's, it's very, he's very emotionless. I, uh, and I, uh, uh, like to, to, uh, to his detriment and to a fault. Right. Yeah. And Grogu has rejected, he's, he's accepted the path of the Jedi and went to go train with Luke. But then when he is presented with the stoic choice, which is to forsake his family, Din, in favor of the path of the Jedi, the the lightsaber, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he he says no. He rejects it. He rejects the stoicism and says no. Family is more important, which is really really fascinating to me because Luke is the one presenting him with that. Where like Luke, Luke has not learned his own lesson. He hasn't like like although in the moment he made the right choice, and th- this is really important for everybody to hear. Just because you did the right thing once doesn't mean you are now ascended, right? Right. Every day you wake up, you choose to be good or to be bad. Every moment in your life, you choose to be good or be bad. Listen, it's 11 o'clock at night while we're recording this. And every night I choose whether or not I'm going to be tired tomorrow or I'm going to be well rested. And oh, it's I, 2 a.m. here. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's even worse for you. And 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 I and I and I am constantly choosing the wrong thing, even though every once in a while I will make the right choice and go to bed at 11 when I should. Right. And Luke makes the right choice in Return of the Jedi faced with with a very like ultimate confront confrontation with the of the light side and the dark side in that moment when it matters the most, when the fate of the galaxy is on the line, he makes the right choice. And then he walks away and he's faced with more choices and he, he eventually falls down that path as he is funny. As he learns more about the Jedi of old, he becomes more like them and more set in those ways Mm -hmm. until it blows up in his face. And then he runs away to assess what did I do wrong? And so by the time that we see him in the last Jedi, he's been sitting in isolation, looking at this the whole time and going like, what did I do wrong? Where did I screw up? (laughs) Where did I yeah. make the mistake? And that's when he realizes, oh, I tried to reestablish the old Jedi order. That was a mistake. But instead of him looking at it and going like, so what should the Jedi be? And going from there, which is what I th- hope and think that Ray will do. And maybe possibly Grogu will be a person who can help guide her on that. Mm-hmm. Um, is that Luke, Luke, Luke said the Jedi need to be extinguished, right? Like he, mm-hmm. he adopted the platform of Palpatine ironically in, in, in his solving of that problem, as opposed to looking at the Jedi and going like, wait, what's the new opportunity here? What should the Jedi be? Right. Um, but he has to learn that lesson. And, and it's really funny to me that like we all Grogu shows up and it's like, he's a Jedi. uh, And what does that mean? Is he, did he die? Like, does he go train with Luke? Does he die? in the temple when Ben destroys the temple spoilers. Ben's not the one who destroyed the temple, by the way, Uh, it was Palpatine the whole time, but um, he just, he just blamed it on Ben. He just framed him. I, I, which is something that they really need to put in like a 
canon continuity story, not yes. just in the comic book. Yes, but, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, I now we know that like Grogu avoided that fate, a fate that Luke led others to by by taking them down the false path. I mm-hmm. uh, so like like when we see Luke in the Last Jedi and he is broken. He has every reason to be broken, and honestly, he should be broken. He made very bad choices, and it led to the deaths of his apprentices, right? Yeah. He he repeated the mistakes of the Jedi Order before him, and not only that, he did it in record time. He did it within his own <laughs> lifetime, uh, within half of his lifetime, really, uh, whereas it took thousands of years for the, for the previous Jedi to screw up that bad. So... Um, right. But but he again he was up against Palpatine and Palpatine had already done it once to a bunch of Jedi that were actually like a lot better trained and smarter than Luke, <laughs> so <laughs> you know it's true. Uh, it is what it is. But but Grogu rejects that path and is saved from that fate. Such an like that's such an interesting thing for us to examine now. Is mm-hmm. that like like what does that mean about Grogu in terms of his path in the Force? Right. Um, Because because I believe and and it's reinforced by the way that he fights that Grogu follows the path of the living force, the same as Qui-Gon did. Yes. Right. And and like there's a there's a handful of Jedi that we can point to that we can go like, okay, these Jedi like I think Obi-Wan in the end of his life understood what Qui-Gon was talking about. I don't when he was younger, he didn't. Mm -hmm. I think it's like the the Obi-Wan Kenobi series is actually him coming to terms with that of him, him mm-hmm. understanding what the living force is and how it works. Um, which is why Qui-Gon says what he says at the end, which is like, I've always been here. You just weren't ready to see me. Right. <laughs> right. Like, like you just like your eyes were closed basically. Um, and now they're open. So you're ready to, to start learning the path of the living force. Grogu's on that path. Like, like I, uh, I, and, and yet he is also simultaneously choosing to walk the path of the Mandalore. And that to me is like that moment when he looks down into the water and then we dive to the bottom of that cavern and we see the, the yeah. mythosaur. It's like, there's a connection there. Like that's a, like, that is a very, like that, that is so meaningful. I, I, and it's, it is very much a, I, you know, in, in the first Iron Man movie, when I, I, when Rhodey, I, I, different Rhodey, but still Rhodey looks at the, the, the Mark two and he goes next time and he walks away <laughs> and it's like, it's like, okay, Iron Man two will have war machine in it. Right. Um, is very much like, okay, so, so the next book, the next book of, of, uh, of Mandalore will, will have this moment like when he's ready he'll come back he'll yeah. come back to to yeah. to the mythosaur and he'll tame the mythosaur that's going to happen it, it was already foreshadowed in book of boba fett right with the with the mm-hmm. rancor it's 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 uh it's inevitable uh grogu will be the one to ride the mythosaur i have no doubt that would um, be amazing i Bo seeing the mythosaur was the sign that she would be the true leader of Mandalore, like the next leader of Mandalore. But, mm-hmm. but Grogu taming the Mythosaur, I think will be like the, the beginning of the next age of Mandalore. I, I, 
and that's because like he's gonna he's gonna he's i think he's gonna lead them on a path away from violence right like that that's like that's what the mandalorians need to learn is that like violence isn't the only path it's not the only solution i which again is something that is foreshadowed it's it's symbolically shown when he stops them from the duel right when he's like he's like no and they stop and they all kind of acknowledge for a minute there's a, it's just it's very brief very brief they acknowledge like maybe this isn't the right way maybe this isn't well, the way you know? i mean it would like counter mirror Vizsla, you know a mandalorian learning the ways of a jedi and then building his own saber that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily reflect the light like a regular saber would be but it's this yeah. dark material that becomes heavier with use and and so you must become you know be a strong person to commit this violence and and that is the true way of a of a mandalorian is to wield dominance against your foe and 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 so that sword became that symbol of leadership but obviously it's destroyed now um and so they need a new symbol and it would be very interesting and a bit poetic to have a jedi who chooses to be mandalorian but you know befriends as a sign of leadership, this natural creature of mm-hmm. Mandalore in order to, you know, whether it's literal or, you know, meaning meaningful in a way of taming this beast yeah. and using it not for war, but just, you know, as a sign of balance. And I think that would be really cool because yeah. there would be no brutal force involved. It would just be like a mutual understanding of nature through the force with the mythosaur. Yeah. There it's it um there's so much there's so much that that this finale sets up for these characters. And it's fantastic. I mean, like, we've barely even talked about Bo-Katan and all of this, but she takes her place as the rightful uh, uh, leader of Mandalore. And uh, Which is better balanced for it, because if you yep. think of her in the Clone Wars and in Rebels, you know, she she was not in a position to be a good leader. And, and no. it even shows in The Mandalorian that, you know, she attempted to lead, and because she held to these traditional ideals she lost it um and that was that i think that was you know the two extremes and you know you're a fan of mary claire so you know the the middle path she has now learned the middle path she cannot be you know a brutal warrior and she cannot be like her sister just a pacifist she needs to learn the balance between when to stand for oneself and when to you know, take a bow and, and learn the acceptance in that. And, and especially, you know, in the episode with Lizzo and Jet Black, she didn't go busting in like Din did and knocking over droids and, you know, demanding things from the controllers. She went in with the purpose of finding out what was wrong and trying to make mm-hmm. a compromise like her sister did. And if it came down to violence, sure, she would go about it. But 
um, you know, she found that middle way through Din and, you know, growing close to Grogu and seeing this, this is what a Jedi is. She knew, she knew what the Jedi were, um, and obviously saw those flaws, but now she sees what a Jedi could be or should be and has taken that in uh, on her own to improve herself. And because of that, she will be a better leader. Yep. Yep. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I just have to say that like everybody going into this, this week's episode because of last week's episode being called the spies thinking (laughs) somebody was going to betray somebody. And then this week, like, no, because I was convinced that Axe was working for the Imperials. I was convinced yeah. of it. When he when he rockets off, I was like, oh, that guy's not coming back for you guys. That guy's coming back. Like, that guy is going to go sabotage the ship or whatever. He yeah. lands on the ship and it's like, it's like he he he's he's going into the ship and he's like, he's like, I'm 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 almost there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're almost there to mess stuff up. And then he lands and he's like, he's like, you guys. Everybody evacuate the ship. They're sending a bunch of TIE fighters. I'm like, yeah, of course. You want them off of the ship so that you can start firing on theirs and and like help the TIE fighters. And then uh, everybody leaves. And then and then the TIE fighters get there a minute later and he starts getting the guns ready. And I'm like, wait, how are how is this betraying everyone? Yeah. And then he starts fighting the TIE fighters and the TIE fighters are attacking him. And he's just like being a good guy. And I'm like, oh, oh. Oh, he didn't betray them. Oh, okay. And then, he, and then he crashes the Star Destroyer. Yeah, I was so happy to be wrong that that actually no, it turns out that like there is no twist. Yeah. There is no there is no uh dramatic death in this week's episode. The dramatic death was last week's episode. It was Paz Vizla. It yeah. and it's and and I think that people discounted that character's journey this season. Um, which I think, which is unfortunate because I do think that it was actually really well done that like when he stood up and said to the rest of the Mandalorians, they're asking us to go do this. They're asking us to, to lay down our lives again. Why? Because we're Mandalorians. That's why this is the way I follow Bo-Katan into the, you know, the pits of hell. Uh, because she, yeah. yeah like because that's what we do that's because we're mandalorians you guys we fight because we're mandalorians and it's it's the way and i was like okay like this dude like he is on our side now he's no longer an antagonist he's mm-hmm. now he's now an ally and that's because like din and Bo have won him and i mean like din won Bo, right like he won her mm-hmm. over like like Bo was like i don't like you i don't like the way you look I don't like the way you talk. I don't like your friends. I don't like anything about you, but I need you right now. So come help me do this thing. And that's what they do. And then he comes like later. She's like, I'll help you, but I want the dark saber. You took the dark saber. I don't like you. And then yeah. it was like, but he's in trouble. And she goes and helps him. And then by the end of the season, she's like, I don't know. I think I kind of like that guy. Like, 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 <laughs> right. Um, I still see. I still think it's. I still think it's. It's. Uh, it's in the offing, like the two of them, uh, making the helmet smoochies. But uh, <laughs> I. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I. It, it, 
she i she's in such a good place now i love it and i can't wait to like pop back after a time jump and see her as like you know leading mandalore and mandalore flourishing under her uh under her 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 leadership um and and to see where that goes and and how that how that works out um and i yeah i i this I don't know. This episode just it really worked for me. It really worked for me. And yeah, there there were the logical inconsistencies, right? I found mm-hmm. the tweet. It, it's it was from uh, Lori Kerwin Ashman, and she posted, um, she had posted like a tweet that was like, ah, the 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 finale was like so great. Uh, basically, is the tweet. And then she's like, also me post finale, emotionally sated, logically confused. And I was like, yep, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But but when when they show up on navarro and din's like i got got you a present and it's ig 11 restored and and now he's the marshal i i love it it's fantastic it's great i i what growth for din and i i and and a great boon for uh for for navarro i it's that thing in the hero's journey that these heroes journeys keep missing. And I just like, I know that Ty from Wit and Folly, like Ty Black, that she's fallen off of Mando because of season two. And, and yeah. I don't think that she even watched book of Boba Fett or anything, but, no, uh, I and I, I understand why, but this is, she is always saying like, this is, this is the piece of the hero's journey that they're always missing. And, and Marie Claire always reiterates this as well. I that, like, this is, you have to, bring the elixir back to the village right and this scene is din bringing the elixir back to the village right like he's gone off into the galaxy and he's learned all of these things about himself and uh and he hated droids and then but like he went out of his way to like restore he made a deal with (laughs) with the new republic uh in order to restore this droid and give them what they need which is a a protector Right. right Um, it's, and it's like, he's like duplicated himself so that he can always be there to, to protect them. And Uh, and to acknowledge that this place had value enough, mm -hmm. you know, to protect it as well. You know, I, I don't think he would have thought or cared about such a thing in season one. So certainly not of Navarro, right? Like, yeah, definitely not. Like it was such a, it was such a, like, like the only thing on this planet is most icely. Uh, and we know what we think about most icely. Right. So I, uh, yeah, like, like I, I such a transformation. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, yeah. I loved it. I, it. It just, it just that emotionally sated is, is just such a perfect way to put it. I, and that, that last shot, din walks out he sits down in front of his little house puts his feet up and he's just watching the kid play and it's just like ah man i just it it star wars needed a happy ending so bad and it doesn't have to be it doesn't this doesn't have to mean an end to stories but a happy ending to this story Mm -hmm. it means a lot it means a lot that like these two characters who met under these really like uh, uh, conflict laden circumstances have now found peace and 
have the ability to be a family and a part of a community and to grow and learn and, and, uh, and become better people. It's like, that's what, like, that was the point. That's what this was all about. That's right. what, that's what the original trilogy was about. And then we come back in the force awakens and we go, Oh no, no, no it was all a waste. Right. <laughs> and that's fine. Like it's, it's not, that's, I don't really have a huge problem with that as long as that was going somewhere and then it didn't. Right. But and it will, it'll come back around. And everything that they've done in the Mandalorian and they're going to do in, in Ahsoka and skeleton crew and all of this, stuff, all the stuff that's going on with Carson Teva um, and, and the Adelphi squadron, like it's, we're establishing why the new Republic was never going to be the, the thing was never going to be the solution and why the new Jedi or like Luke's new Jedi were never going to be the thing. Um, because that's because, you know, and it's 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 obviously it's retcon, right? It's going back and it's fixing it after the fact yeah. in order to make it make sense. But it's doing exactly what the Clone Wars did for Revenge of the Sith. It's like that we are in people keep going like, oh, I can't wait for them to do a series that blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, guys, we're in it. We're yeah. in the middle of it right now because all of these episodes that are about like, hey, um, I think actually the New Republic might be as bad as the Empire. It's just. All, all, all they did was switch the power from one hand to another, and mm. like that doesn't mean that Mon Mothma isn't trying to make it something better. That Leia's not trying to make it something better. But go read Bloodlines. Well, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's the same repetitive thing, right? So, so the New Republic is like, well, the Empire was bad. Let's try and go back to what we had before because that was good. Yeah. Well. It's all if you're only going to repeat what failed in the first time, you're probably going to fail a second time, yeah. and that's what happens. Um, and the same thing with the Jedi, you know, Luke's like, Well, I need to restore this order that did things this way, I'm going to do them this way, and yeah. it failed again. And I think that's the nice thing about the way this ends is because. You know, people have learned their lessons and they have learned that what was happening before clearly wasn't working and there needed to be changes. And they've taken the time to reflect on those lessons Mm -hmm. and been like, okay, perhaps this is a better way to bring about change, to understand and respect, you know, understand and respect that past. But to not make the same mistakes. So it was nice to see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I could talk about all of this stuff forever, but I think that we can wrap it up there. I think we've done a good job <laughs> in this episode talking about it. Um, yeah. I, 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 I loved it. I love this season. This uh, I tweeted last night and I, I it's, it's been almost 24 hours now and I still feel the same way. This season of The Mandalorian has been some of my favorite Star Wars since Rebels concluded. Um, like, the, there's one other major bright spot in there for me, and that's Solo, uh, which I feel like had a very similar spirit to Rebels. And I think this mm-hmm. season had yeah. a very similar spirit to both of those things. Uh, and, uh, and, and so it just it's made me really, really happy as a Star Wars fan to return there, especially after going to the dark place with Andor last year. Um, 
which like again like i will i will keep saying like andor is great and i love it i can't wait for season two i think it's going to be fantastic i i and it has its place in star wars i just want to once again say like that's it it should not be when people say like oh why can't all star wars be like this because then it wouldn't be star wars you guys there's nothing hopeful about andor right Mm -hmm. you know i burned myself for a like a dawn that i'll never see or whatever the hell he says whatever luthan says it's like like that's not hopeful you guys that's not hopeful that's a very very cynical way of looking at revolution right is that like well i'm gonna become as bad as the bad guys so that other people can reap the rewards of my sin right and it's like no that's not really how that works that's not really how that works (laughs) um it's it's certainly not the message of um uh you know that's uh, how that's not how we win right like uh, what rose says um it's a it's a different take on the self-sacrifice yeah it's um look look, this is the thing not to not to get all andor in the last couple minutes of this but um but luthan rail is not a hero He's not he's not an anti-hero. No. He is a villain. He is he is actually the villain of that story. I don't even think that like Dedra or Cyril are the villains of that story. I think that both Dedra and Cyril are victims of the Empire, no different than Cassian. Um, which is why I think a lot of us were like, oh, she's gonna defect at some point. I and I firmly believe that. That in in by the end of season two, that that Cyril and Dedra will have join the rebel alliance but i i because they'll realize that it's actually the empire that's the problem not the people um uh, not the citizens right because that's the line that they're being told right now but luthan has this ideology that he is somehow better than everybody else Mm -hmm. and that's no different than palpatine it's no different than palpatine he is a phantom menace He's just he just happens to be on the good guy's side right now, but mm-hmm. but like he's willing to sacrifice lives that are not his own yeah. in or in order to in order to put things in position so that maybe one day he can, they can do something meaningful. Right. Yeah. And like and and his whole thing of like, no, we have to we have to make it worse in order for it to get better in order for the galaxy to wake up. Well, (laughs) that's very similar to Palpatine's plan to take over the galaxy in the first place, which Mm -hmm. was we have to drive the galaxy to war in order for them to give me the powers that I need to reorganize the Republic into the empire. Right. And so we need to sow fear. We need to, we need to create chaos these are all the same things that Luthen does. He's a villain. He is the bad guy in the series. Um, and people don't, people don't get that. And that's cool. I listen, it's an awesome story. That's super cool. It's just not the kind of star Wars I want all the time. Right. I want other star Wars. Um, and we got it. We got it with Mando this season. And I'm so happy that we did that. We got star Wars. That was like, actually, actually the way that we win is by loving each other. That is the way that we win. Um, and when, when I, this is sort of the final thought, I, when I, I, Gideon 
see, we went so long with nobody having any names that now it's hard to remember everybody's names. <laughs> when Gideon Gideon destroys the dark saber or whatever, and uh, and then and he's having his little speech of like, see, you Mandalorians are nothing without your gadgets. Yeah. And it's like, and she's like, yeah, but that's the thing. Like, that's not what Mandalorians are. Mandalorians are stronger together, right? And uh, like, that's the lesson this season. That was like, the, yeah. it's, I love it when the, I love it when the story states its thesis. It's one of my favorite things. And that moment is this season's thesis like that's what it was about was about bringing together all of the factions a faction we didn't even know existed in the survivors right and it was it was nice to see her learn that lesson too yeah and the payoff of it of of din and grogu coming to save her and then they don't defeat gideon right Gideon's hubris defeats Gideon, which is always the best villain death. It's a, it's it's such a Disney death. It's 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 like Clayton uh, strangling himself at the end of Tarzan, oh, yeah. which is my favorite. That's my favorite Disney villain death. I uh, I mean Tarzan's also my favorite Disney animated movie, but I just I love that that it's like that Tarzan's trying to save him, and in the struggle to continue to hurt Tarzan, he kills himself. And it's like Gideon's so caught up in his own thing that he doesn't get out of there when everybody else does. And he dies, presumably. I, I, he's enveloped by this explosion of, of, of what was his own light cruiser, right? Yeah. Come back to haunt him. I, but Grogu protects his family. But the two of them, the moment before that, knowing, fully knowing, that it's this is not gonna this little shield and Din's body are not they're not gonna they're gonna try but they're gonna try because Mandalorians are stronger together and then Grogu saves the three of them um, yeah. in the best family portrait of all time. I uh, mm-hmm. it's just like what like I don't know like it just did they do a bunch of stuff sort of wonky and, 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 uh, and clunky this season? Absolutely. 110%. Couldn't agree more. Was it all worth it for that moment? Yeah. This is like a top five moment in star Wars for me. Like it just like that image of the three of them is going to be seared into my mind for a very (laughs) long time. Uh, pun intended on that one. So, um, I loved it. Great season. One of my favorite things since Rebels. Uh, I'm very excited for Ahsoka, which is the next thing that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that there's some, you know, there's there's some thoughts and stuff like that around uh, Rosario Dawson and stuff. I kind of talked about it last week, but uh, last week, the week before, last week, I think. But uh, and we'll talk more about it in the lead up to to Ahsoka. But uh, I, but I'm very, I'm still very excited for the show. Um, yeah. But between now and then we will be back with i uh, with obi-wan recaps so i uh, i guess I'll, I'll just announce it here because i just talked to him about it today and he's and he's down so marty who was who was on a couple of weeks ago um he's gonna come on and and the two of us are gonna do all six episodes so we're gonna go week by week we'll, we're, we're gonna do six episodes as if the show was coming out basically and we're gonna start on the one year anniversary of obi-wan so look for that uh on or around may 27th it'll either be just before may 27th or or on may 27th itself 
um, we'll put out uh, that first episode of our Obi-Wan. I, I, I guess now it's like a retrospective because we already know what happens. We're just rewatching it and then talking about it again. But, uh, but I'm really excited to dig back in, but, um, but, but this is the last episode until that happens. So basically I'm taking about a month off of force perspectives that said rebel cells will be back um, to talk about star Wars vision season two and to cover young Jedi adventures, depending on what that looks like will depend on what that episode, what those episodes end up being. Um, So I don't know exactly, exactly what we're going to do, but we are going to cover it because it is star Wars animation and it looks pretty good. It actually, it actually looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. So Mm -hmm. um, I hope that there's some worthwhile stuff in it. It's not just, not just kids stories, but that there's, that there's a couple of like meaningful star Wars moments, but, uh, but we'll see, we'll see what it ends up being. And I'm not, my expectations are not high. I just expect to have some fun. I, I, but yeah, rebel cells will be back. I, I early in May. Um, Cause those both drop on May the 4th. So I expect that. Um, and, uh, and who knows? Cause they might, you know, they might drop something on us that, that necessitates an episode of force perspectives, but, um, but if not, we'll be back then. And then, uh, and, and then we'll have a couple of other episodes. Cause I got some people that want to come on and talk about stuff. I, uh, about some other things. Uh, and then, and then we'll be back for Ahsoka. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the rest of the year looks awesome. Oh, we've also got, we've also got Jedi survivor. You mentioned it earlier. Uh, yeah. that Jedi survivor is, is basically a week away. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, uh, I'm reading through Battle Scars currently, um, but I'm definitely looking forward to Survivor yeah. for sure. I'm trying. I'm trying to get through Battle Scars. The book is good. The audio book, I don't, I'm not a big fan of this narrator. Um, uh, I, I really don't like the way that they're characterizing Cal. Like it's very, it's like the guy exists. Act like him, please. The writing is there, <laughs> but the performance is like way off. Um, and it's kind of bothering me, but yeah, I, I'm um, reading it on my Kindle, and and at least through the just the book in my mind, it it fits him really well. Like I can I can see. Yeah. Um, um, I'm re- I'm really enjoying all of the the um uh, the Marin stuff. Uh, yeah, that, that's in it. I think it's really really interesting. Um, it's one of those things that I wish really 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 wish wasn't hidden in a tie-in novel to a video game. Yeah. But Acolyte's coming next year, so everybody relax. I, <laughs> I don't worry, Leslie Headland's gonna make Star Wars plenty gay for all of us. I I but uh but anyways. Um Confetti and streamers. Yeah. I I the High Republic is the perfect setting to do it in. I really I really, really hope that like that that there's like a a like female Sith, female Jedi uh entanglement in accolade i i I, i'm getting the feeling that that's what we're leading towards but i really hope that that's the that we have the 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 light and dark uh sapphic romance going on in that show that's my that's my hope for that one that would be really really cool (laughs) but i i but yeah so uh jedi survivor obviously like it comes out next week but like it's going to take some time to play through it and i want to respect everybody's i i you know, varying degrees of commitment to video gaming. Um, I will probably beat the story within a week or two, but I'm sure that other people won't. 
I but I'm gonna like take a day off of work <laughs> to play it and do all sorts of stuff to get. To, I think uh, I think I finished Fallen Order with. in four days, but yeah, I I mean I I play for hours in a row, so oh that's yeah, only that's five. the thing. Yeah, I'm gonna play until my eyes hurt and then go to sleep. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, and that'll be like the Thursday night, right? Like get up the next morning and, and, and play, play, play. But I, uh, I, so we'll, we'll, we'll probably do our Jedi survivor, uh, breakdown like after the Obi-Wan stuff. Cause that'll give everybody plenty of time to play through it and, uh, and, and read battle scars and play through it again and play through fallen order again. And we'll do like a whole fallen order survivor battle scars uh roundup sort of thing but uh mm-hmm. yeah awesome well i danielle thank you once again for yeah, coming no and being on on the show i love it when we can talk star wars i think we got some cool places tonight this one i hope everybody else enjoys it uh anything that you want to you want to plug you want to tell people where to go read your your fan fictions <laughs> sure um if you want to reach out and chat i'm on twitter mainly uh 87 zoo lemons and then if you feel like reading some Raylo and elder scrolls fan fiction uh, you can find me as uh, danny marie on ao3 awesome i thank you everybody for listening thank you for sticking with us through season three of mandalorian and uh and and into the future we really appreciate it um of course if you have enjoyed the season and you feel like supporting us in a very like uh, uh tangential uh, not tangential uh, uh tactile way i don't know uh like a very real way um <laughs> then you can then you can head over to patreon.com slash thunderquack and support us over there uh you'll get like I don't really we're not doing any bonuses or anything like that for force perspectives on the Patreon right now. But um, but you will get access to you get early access to the Thunder Quack Perfect Ten, which is a podcast that I do over there um, about things that generally are not Star Wars, although Star Wars almost always comes up because it has to. I uh, you get access to the Perfect Ten Pop Quiz, which is a companion trivia podcast that we do that Tim Dipple does for us over there. Um, so every episode of perfect 10 is about like a different thing that I get, I bring on a guest and I ask them to pick a perfect 10. I, I, Danny, you came on and did avatar. We talked about avatar, which was super fun, a great episode. And so then the perfect 10 pop quiz is a companion podcast. It's about a six or seven minute episode. Usually that, uh, that, that is 10 trivia questions about that topic. Um, which is super fun. Uh, and then I also do a solo podcast that is a Patreon exclusive. So every other week, um, or at least I try every other week to do a podcast uh, that we call off the record. That's uh, that's just me. It's just me talking to myself about something that I like usually. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I, those are all now bonuses that are available. I got rid of all of the tiers. There's just one tier. It's $5, all rewards. Cause I like that whole, like, Oh, you only get to listen to this podcast. If you pay us $10 a month, well, is that podcast worth $10? Like, well, no, but if you put all of the rewards together, I think it's worth $10. And it's like, you know what? I just want everybody to hear all of the cool stuff that we're doing. So if you support us at $5, you just get all of the bonuses now, uh, which also includes, um, 
uh, access to our exclusive uh, members only section on our discord server. Uh, so if that's something that sounds cool, then, then do that. Just join the Thunderquack discord server anyways. Like it doesn't cost anything to join the discord servers. You just go to thunderquack.com slash discord. We talk about star Wars in there a lot. So if you're here because you like star Wars, uh, which why would you be listening to this podcast if you didn't? I don't know. But I, uh, I, we do, we have a lot of, fun star Wars conversation over on the discord and the more the merrier. So, uh, so join us over there and, uh, uh, yeah, I think that's it. That's all. Those are all the things that I'm going to plug at the end of this episode. It's just sort of, I don't talk about that stuff a lot on this show. Cause it's not really directly affected except for the fact that like the server and, uh, like for the podcast episodes and like, uh, you know, like our, all of our, uh, Everything that that is required to run a podcast network the way that I do um, is all funded by the awesome thirty uh, five ish people on Patreon supporting us. Uh, so I uh, so yeah, I, the more people that support us over there, the more cool stuff we can do. But uh, but yeah, hugely uh, appreciate any support that you guys can give us. Um, and money is not the only way to support us. You can also just go review us on your podcast service or whatever and recommend it to a friend and all that sort of stuff is also is also massively helpful in supporting the podcast so thank you to everybody who does all that kind of stuff as well mm-hmm. but uh that's it that's it for this episode it's eleven thirty-eight, which is a great time to end uh thank you for listening and we will catch you on the next episode thank you for listening to thunder quack force perspectives Our opening theme is composed for us by Christy Carew. Follow Force Perspectives on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at ForcePOV. And join us on Discord at thunderquack.com slash discord. Support the show by visiting us at patreon.com slash thunderquack to get early access to episodes, leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast service, or buy merch at store.thunderquack.com. Force Perspectives is a part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network.